At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Big Sills! Um, I want to help you guys out here for a second. And I want to give you guys a little bit of love here. Many of you, and by the way, I appreciate everybody who comes aboard the program each and every single day. You can find so many other options, but you choose to come here. We thank you. This is a message to underachieving, sorry ass, piece of shit, unbelievably underachieving, delusional cowboy fan. Don't ever come after me when you haven't done shit in 30 years. The internet wasn't even invented. You were still kind of looking at MySpace. Cowboy fan went back because I didn't realize it, but cowboy fan knows how to Google. Personally, I didn't think you were that intelligent. I thought you were home on the range, kumbaya, and sitting by the pond with your cane pole going for some catfish. Not that catfish are bad. Drinking on your bush beer. So let me hook you up here. I may kick the shit out of the Eagles, but I ain't going to sit here and allow Cowboy fans to kick the shit out of the Eagles or come after me when you back your way into the NFC East title. The Eagles dropped the ball. You didn't win that thing. Don't make it sound like you won the East. I mean, you're playing your best football that you've played in three years. The Eagles are playing their worst football they've played in three. What do you think happened? Cowboy fans are the most delusional people on the planet. They're celebrating NFC East flags. How pathetic are you? That's going to be your biggest achievement when Jordan Love and the Packers send your asses home. Oh, you'll be at home and you get beat again by Green Bay. Cowboy fans, 
finding a quote that still said that the Cowboys would finish in last place in the East in February. And many of you know I picked later on that year. I thought the Cowboys would get to the Super Bowl and play the Bills, but that's irrelevant. I don't care. Talking shit to me like that, like you've done something. Who are you? You haven't been relevant since Jimmy Johnson. That's 100 coaches ago. Honestly, man, the salary cap wasn't even part of the NFL. Who are you? Dude, the Eagles allowed you to win the East. You didn't take the East from them. Got to be kidding me, man. Hey, I may be hard on the Eagles, but at least they've accomplished it. Get this. I'm hard on a football team that 11 months ago went to a Super Bowl. You? It's like talking to underachievers, man. Silver medalist. Bronze medalist. You are nothing like Eagle fan. Because Eagle fan has expectations on winning Super Bowls. NFC East? That's like hanging banners at Rupp Arena at Kentucky for the SEC title. You know what Calipari says and what Rupp said? And Tubby Smith and all those great coaches said? We don't hang SEC titles. We hang national titles. You see what the Lakers did with that in-tournament thing? Kind of a little banner next down to the corner over here, right before you go into the janitor's room. That's what winners do. Cowboys. Who are you? What if you name me? Hey, we won the East. Congratulations, guys. Congratulations. Crowning achievement. You've won the East. And that'll be, hey, you'll probably be able, if I'm you, I wouldn't take the same route that Kennedy took down downtown Dallas. Right on Elm, you know, <laughs> I might not want to go there. So I might want a different route. But if you're looking for parades for the NFC East, congratulations. Stay straight on Houston. You're all good. Man, coming after Big Sills because you won the NFC East. And you want a parade in a t-shirt and a hat because you won the East. And Cilio said, go over to my Twitter page and look how much they're crowing about winning the NFC East. You would think they won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Congratulations, man. Power to the people. Cowboys win the East. Crowning achievement in 30 years. Talk about jokes and assholes. <laughs> you are the poster child for that shit. I can't wait. Now, hey, I've not rooted like this for somebody. I, pr Dear God, please start my 2024 season off with the Packers upsetting the Cowboys and sending their asses, well, where they should be, into the offseason. Thank you. Good night. You gotta be kidding me. It's been going on for three days. Some 
some loser cowboy fan found a quote or no found like one of james's james this is why james is so good all right t guy he knows the right buttons to push with people james do a great job bro i love you and the stuff you do you don't do it every day but hey because you know what he does he kind of protects big sills too so i got you know you know what i'm saying tone he kind of protects big sills so i gotta keep it cool because he does look out for me. And he posts some great clips who have been some of the biggest clips I've ever had in my career. James, you kill it. And I totally dig you. You do a great job for us, most notably for me. So thank you, Cowboy fan. Talk about delusional underachieving. It's like, People that sit at the little kids' table with the sippy cups. When you're over at your parents and they're having a party or a holiday party, they're the Cowboys at the little table and the Eagles are at the big people's table with the 49ers and some of the other big teams in the league. The Cowboys sit at the little kitty table because they never accomplish anything and they don't know any better yet. And they talk like children. Look at us. We won the East. <laughs> Great. Okay, dude, I please, Green Bay, start my 24 off with a win over Dallas. Would be awesome. Oh, man, I don't, no, 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 no. I don't hate the Cowboys. I play for the Cowboys. I hate the Cowboy fans. How's that for you? I hate the Cowboy fans. That's what I can't take. So, at the end of the day, if you could do me a favor, don't be don't be quoting us on those on those um on those on those clips. Okay? Please don't be doing that. <laughs> anyway. All right. I saw Jason Kelsey. And I saw Jason Kelsey and I saw his comments. I guess he went on WIP. Um, and he, he went on WIP and he talked about what was going on. Okay? And I loved what he said. Okay. I loved what he said. Dude, this is nothing to do with changing direction. This is nothing to do with anything else. This is just everything to do with playing better. This is just playing better. Okay. That's it. Just play better. He's dead right. Just play better. Go out. Stop listening to the noise and play better. Just play better. Dude, you're listening to too much BS that's going on around the room right now. And it's interfering with what's going on with the objective that you're trying to accomplish. 
you've got a chance to erase all the things that are wrong with the season. And all you have to do is go out and play on Sunday and win or Monday and win. Just win. Stop with the noise. Coach better. Play better. Be more attentive to your teammates. Just do the things that you know that you need to accomplish. Because you're, get this, isn't it, you know, it's like fighting someone you know you're superior to and you allow them to stay in a fight with you. Knock them out. Okay? Knock them out. Knock them out. Knock them out. Hey, Ultra Cowboy. Hey, dipshit, I wore your jersey. How you doing? How you doing? Hey, dipshit, you waved the banner. I wore your jersey. I actually started some ball games. How's that for you, cowboy nobody? Worst fans on the planet. You know why? Because you don't demand excellence. You cheer for common. You know, that's the difference right there between Eagle fan and Cowboy fan. Cowboy fan cheers for common. Eagle fan cheers for excellence. You know, I'll tell you something about Eagle fans. I beat them up. Okay? I do. I beat them up and I beat the Eagles up. But covering a team like the Cowboys would be like covering a chick that cheats on you every day. Can't trust them. Seriously, the Cowboys are like the woman that tells you she loves you and cheats on you every day. That's who Cowboy fan is. That's who Cowboy organization is. How you doing? Cowboy fan. What really is that? What, what is a Cowboy? What, what have you been fanning the last 30 years? Tell me what you've been fanning. Quincy Carter, Des Bryant. What, what, what have you been fanning? What do you? What actually have you been fanning, Chan Gailey? For the last thirty years, okay. You call Cowboy fans dumb, but you think AJ is better than CD. He's way better than CD. Are you crazy? CeeDee Lamb versus A.J. Brown? CeeDee Lamb, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even take CeeDee Lamb in an arm wrestling match with A.J. Dude, A.J. Brown is superior to Bolsowood CeeDee Brown. CeeDee, what's his name? CeeDee Lamb is barely as good Dude, he, I'm not sure he's better than Devontae Smith. You put Devontae Smith in that Cowboy offense, he's CeeDee Lamb. Cowboy fan. What a dope. Dumbest fan base on the planet. And it's no argue. Who's a dumber fan base? 
Who's a dumber fan base than Cowboy fan? Shit, not even Laker fan. Who's a dumber fan base? I'm trying to think. Who's a dumber fan base than Cowboy fan? Dude, it's... get Hey, it's not that you don't have a good history. But your best moments are in your rear view. Dude, one thing about... Hey, I'm going to say this to you, man. Comparing yourself to the Eagles for the last 25 years... There is no comparison. Jalen Hurts has almost as many playoff wins as the Cowboys have had in the last 25 years. <laughs> Put that out there. Am I right when I say this? Joe Burrow has as many playoff wins as the Cowboys do in the last 28 years. Is that true? He's got like four, right? Check their stats. Yeah, when you only got one bum on the team and you got two 1,000-yard receivers, guy. Check their stats. Yeah, okay. Check their stats. I'll tell you what. You ask any DB, who do you fear? Pillowcase, C.D. Lamb, or the tank known as A.J. Brown? I'll, I'll, I'll fear the tank a little more. You might want to check those yards after catch, too, guy. C.D. Lamb is like a pillowcase. Pillowcase Lamb. It's appropriate his name is Lamb. Lamb Chops. <laughs> what? you got to be kidding me. Talking shit to me when you've done dick in 30 years. It's classic. Hey, look. He picked us to finish last in the East. Okay. You got the East. You backed into it. Congratulations. This this aged well. So is your last 30 years aged well. We're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's aged well every year. Hey, tell me this. Is this not like Groundhog Day? Who am I? Hey, Eagle fans. Football fans, who am I? Who who am I? We're going to the Super Bowl. We're going to the Super Bowl. We're going to the Super Bowl. Get bounced in the wild card. <laughs> Get bounced in the divisional round. Who am I? Other than the birds win, there's nothing. Dude, they have nothing. Right. On that schedule this year, other than the birds melting down and that win you have at home against Philly, the rest of those wins are against bums. Hey, we beat Washington. Great. They had the U-Hauls packed. You couldn't beat Buffalo. Buffalo's got one wide receiver. Got to be kidding me. Oh, I've been, I've been chomping at the bit for this. Over a quarter of a million people went on this spite that James found, or James put out, 11 months ago. Silio said we'd finished last. Look, ha, ha, ha. I'm like, well, okay. Victory parade. Congratulations. Then when the Packers send you home, 
I'll be kicking your ass even harder. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. One thing is always for sure. Make this make this very sure. That Dallas market, you can't open your face in that market. Jerry Jones runs the market. Shit, you think the Philly media has clamps on them? Shit, you can't. When, when, when the media in Dallas talks, they whisper. Hey, Jerry, how do you think you played this week? So glad to have you, Seals. Cowboys haven't been relevant since Seals played. <laughs> Dead right. I see no lies. Hey, hey, when, when the media talks in Dallas, this is how they do it. Dallas, Dallas Cowboys lose to the Arizona Cardinals and get murdered by the Cardinals and get 221 yards. Hey, Jerry, um, how do you guys think you played against the New York Giants? How do you think you did against you? They whisper. What'd you say? I, you know, I don't ever trust a guy you can't see or whispers. Oh my God, a guy can Google. Look at, look at CD. He's got yak. <laughs> CD Lamb, man, are you freaking kidding me next to AJ Brown? You gotta be kidding me. AJ Brown is a man. Your guy's a boy. A.J. Brown is a man. That's what a man looks like at wide receiver. You got a little toddler. C.D. Lamb looks like a toddler. <laughs> he a little toddler. Any organization that would have Jason Garrett as their coach for a decade and do shit with him is stupid. They're stupid. Hey, little toddler, C.D. Lamb. That's his new name for me, Lamb Chops. Let's see what he does against the Packers. Dallas Hills, it's more like this. Dak played great in that ass-kicking by the Cardinals. Hey, that's it. Here's Dallas Cowboy guy. Hey, you know, we really had a great year this year. Well, what about the Arizona game? We didn't play Arizona this year. What do you mean he didn't play Arizona? Yeah, we, we didn't play Arizona. You did. You got killed by Arizona. No, 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 no. We didn't. We didn't play the. We didn't play uh, against Arizona. Yeah, you did. The CD also lines up in a slot position. Hey, Prince, don't tell Cowboy fan. Prince, don't act like a football person. You got to talk like a dumbass when you're talking to Cowboy fan. Always remember that. Talk like a dumbass. Don't talk like you're a football when we and I, you and I talk and we go back and forth on football conversations. You got to talk like a dumbass. Okay? What do you mean? Slot position? What's that? You mean flanker? What, is, what do you mean? He's a cowboy. He wears a star in his helmet. Dude, that's it, Texas boy. Look at him here. That's right. The Eagles are playing like shit and gave you the East. You're playing your best ball you've played in a decade. What do you think you did? You backed your ass into the NFC East. Congratulations. Here's an asterisk flag. <laughs> Believe me, Philadelphia Eagles, you know what they're doing at the Novacare Center? 
some of those guys want to cut their throat because they gave the East up. You know what the Cowboy guys are doing? Cowboys are already planning for like a victory parade for winning the East because that's going to be the highlight of your careers because it's always been the last four decades. When's the last time you had anybody with any balls in your building? Oh, that's right. It was that guy, my coach. That guy. See him? That guy. Oh, by the way. Hey, Cowboy Numbnuts. Jesus, did your coach send me a book? Hold on here. Did your coach send me a book? Well, Jesus. Why would he send me a book? Oh, wait. Why would your coach send me a book? Hey, Numbnuts. Also known as Cowboy Fan. Why would he send me a book? Eagles played like shit and gave the Cowboys the run for the East, right? Okay. Hold hold on here. Why? Oh, wait a minute. Did he write something in here too? Well, hell shit. What was that? It was a great run. Jimmy Johnson, right, Dan? Well, shit, why would he do that? Oh, you mean because I was at the start of the dynasty? Damn, numb nuts. How did that happen? You fucked with the wrong guy, bro. Not them soft-ass media turds you got in Dallas or in Fort Worth. Yes, in the death, the Cowboy organization. When you come here, you better come strong like Eagle fans. These guys get their asses kicked every day. You come here, Cowboy fan, you're going to get your face pushed in. Oh, did some of you run away? I would too. Go back to your nest known as the land of misfit toys. Don't ever talk to me like that on Twitter until you do something significant. Okay? Don't ever. Don't ever. And if you're going to talk shit on the Eagle fans, you know, let me do it. You ain't doing it. Okay? You ain't doing it. Those people accomplish it. You have me wrong. Because if you come here, you'll hear people saying, damn, Sills is hard. I'm hard on everything I like. Especially when it's a passion. My Canes, my NFL, everything. Cowboy fan. Jesus. It's like being a Met fan. Or a Jets fan. Honestly. The Jets have Fireman Ed and Joe Namath. The Cowboys, their heroes are 92 years old. Or my ex-teammates. They don't have any heroes. Who's the last Cowboy hero you've had? Tony Romo? (laughs) Yeah. 
Tony Romo. Jalen Hurts has more wins in the postseason than Tony Romeo does. Tony Romeo. And Dak. Tony Romeo. Oh, man. Eagles trophy case is the size of a porta potty. And you know what yours is? Yours is in a library now. <laughs> yeah, you know what yours is in? The Louvre. They got it in Paris. They moved it over there. And I think what I heard, they're going to move the last Cowboy Super Bowl trophy and they're going to put it next to Tutankhamen. And they're going to put it next to the sarcophagus and put it over there. They're, yeah, they're, they're going to put his, they're going to put the last cowboy, uh, they're going to put the, the cowboy uh, last Super Bowl trophy next to the Pieta. It's a porta potty. Yeah, and yours belongs in a library or in a museum. Hey, have you seen the Cowboys trophies? No, they took them out of Valley Ranch. You know where they are now? Yeah, they're over at the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago. Why are they there? Well, shit, you know, they're 100 years old now. I mean, you got 50-year-old trophies now. 50-year-old trophies. And you're crowing over that. It's okay. Hey, this, this, this aged well. So has your legacy in the last 30 years. Okay. Yeah. Hey, that's it, Greg. The only time you get to watch great highlights, the Cowboy games, is ESPN Classics. You got Fowler coming out going, back in the day when Newt Rockney was around, there was a man by the name of Jimmy Johnson. This is back in the day when I didn't play with mouthpieces, face masks, Bob Lilly. And Randy White, <laughs> guys who are 92 years old. That's your standard? Shit. All right. That's enough of that. Now, 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 Cowboy fan, you can go back to your nest in Dallas, listen to your bullshit media people that reside in those markets because they get their ass kicked more than the Philly media guys do because Jerry's heavy-handed. That's why he has two shows. And you can go back to your little nest and have your cheerleaders and your victory parades. You can go down to the West End. You can go over on Grinville Avenue where all the great strip clubs are. Not that I know that they're there. You guys can celebrate your nice meals at the Million Dollar Saloon. Not that I know that that's there either. I heard. <laughs> and have a really nice time. Now get out of here. You're not worthy of my show when you root for NFC East. If I'm kicking the shit out of the Eagles for waving on finishing second to the Chiefs, what are we doing here?
Let's move on to some actual sports talk. Sills, would you hire Pete Carroll if you're the Eagles? Stop with the dumb questions. Carson, no wonder you were fired in Philly. Stop asking dumb questions. That's above your pay grade and your authority. You can't hire qualified people. You're not capable of it. No wonder you got ran out of Philly, Carson. Move to the back of the bus. Actual back of the bus. Anybody named Carson Wentz, you can't be too smart. I mean, what do you think of Pete Carroll? What about him? He's going to the Hall of Fame. Heck of a coach. College national title. He also blew one and a Super Bowl. That'll be debated. Um, But a great coach. What else? How about him for the Eagles? (laughs) What about him for the Eagles? What do you mean? Give Give him a ticket and have him show up to watch a game? Sure. No, as a head coach. Dumb. Stupid. I'm not commenting on it. You know better than that. Those are ridiculous questions. Those are idiotic questions. Oh, by the way, congratulations. Jim Swartz has been named the NFL Assistant of the Year. Gee, where did Jim Swartz coach that won a Super Bowl? Where, where, where was that? Can someone help me? Where was it that Jim Swartz won a Super Bowl as an assistant coach? Congratulations to you, Coach Swartz, on winning the assistant of the year in the NFL. Who, who, where was Jim Swartz when he won that Super Bowl ring? Where was that? Philly. Oh. So Andrew Barry hires Jim Swartz when he was in the building in Philly. And he's the assistant of the year. And Stefanski will probably finish second in the coach of the year award to D'Amico Ryans. And the Browns have better coaches in Cleveland than they do in Philadelphia. Not a shocker. Not a shocker. Pete Carroll expected to be out in in Seattle, could remain with organization in a different role. He's 72. Is he 71 or 72 now? He's done all he needs to do. Pete Carroll, hey, great. Congratulations, coach. You got rid of Russell Wilson. You're a better organization without him. You won a Super Bowl. You won two NFC championships. You had the greatest era in the history of Seahawks football. You won a national championship at USC. You're going to Canton. Can't hurt his legacy. He goes out a winner, too. Didn't have a losing record. Congratulations. He should bow out. He's 72 years old. 
Shit, he might be 73. As a consultant, dude, Seattle reveres that guy. Just let him, they're going to, Pete May just went, hey, you know, why? Do you think Andy Reid ever returns to Philly as an advisor once the coaching career is done, Sills? Or do you think Howie will be scared of him as well? I don't think Howie Roseman will be around. Once you fire Nick Sirianni, his ass is next. The next, hey, the next head coaching hire that Howie makes better be the right one or he's out next. But clean his ass out too. The owner's known for that. Hey, the owner loves the guy. Did he not put him in a broom closet before and a dunce hat on him? And tell him to go get chip coffee? Hey, by the way, get me some Dunkin' Donuts too. I like the ones with the sprinkles on them. Different color, but hey, make sure we get chocolate in different color because you know we want to have parity in the building. Me, I'm more of a chocolate sprinkle kind of guy. I like to dunk those in the white milk. I hope that's not red anyway. Okay? But I will take some different colored sprinkles too. Yeah, hey, Chip, just make sure you get some Krellers too. Okay? Tank, C.D. Lamb. Yeah, C.D. Lamb. He's Michael Irvin. Woo! <laughs> hey, watch this. Michael Irvin. Would you take C.D. Lamb over Des Bryant? No. No. I'm not even going to name those other guys who wore 88. You're not taking them over Drew Pearson. You're not taking them over Michael Irvin. And you're not taking them over Des Bryant. He's the worst of the 88s. He's the worst of the 88s. You know why? Outside of Des, the rest of them got Super Bowl rings. Hail Mary was invented because of Drew Pearson. And Starback. Oh, Roland. Lamb is a slot. No, no, no. You can't talk to dumbass Cowboy fan like that. What do they know about slot receivers and wide receivers? And guys on the numbers, Ys and Zs and slot. They don't know that. They just know the star. You think they know the difference between a three technique and a one technique? Of course not. They're not that intelligent. You got to remember something. Cowboy fan has the intelligence level of a fifth grader. When they're talking football. Hey! <laughs> That's all they know. They have the intelligence level of a fifth grader. They see the star in the hat. Oh! It's like they go into like uh, some sort of like Tourette syndrome. Oh! Look at the star! It's, 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 it's like... Hey, it's like the satanic star. Ah! You see the star in the helmet, they all start shaking, you know. Oh, Super Bowl! <laughs> They're the stupidest fan base on the planet. It's quite funny. It, it, seriously, I get as much entertainment watching Cowboy fan make an asshole of himself every year than the season itself. Duh! 
god, look at the star. Oh my god, the satanic star. Oh, oh there he is. <laughs> These guys go nuts. Only cowboy fan. And then you got that knee pad rider. Uh, Skip Bayless giving you a three-hour um, pregame show every Monday through Friday on FS1. You talk about a knee pad rider. Michael Irvin was on with him today, and Michael got a text, and they saw it. And here, here, here was um, shit Bayless going like this. Are the Cowboys mad? Did we say anything to make them upset? <laughs> what do you care? Sills, you're going to be on Radio Row would be great. You know what, Joseph? I've been there a ton of times. And Radio Row, you know, I've probably been there 15 times. You know, unless I'm on the stage, I don't know. I'm not, I don't like, hey, can I tell you what Radio Row reminds me of? Have you guys gone on a cruise and you got to sit next to somebody? who you don't know, and his name is Chip from Wisconsin. And he's eating like rice pudding. And he's having like water and rice pudding and a salad. And you got to sit next to him. You're having a steak and you're sitting down and the guy goes, hey, so what do you think of the cruise? And I'm like, hey, you know, I, <laughs> that's not me. I'm not open to conversation like that. You know, that's that, you know, that's just, you know, when you're on a cruise and that one person comes over, hey, I'm from Encinitas. Hi, are, are you from California? Guy, just get away from me, man. I'm having a, I'm trying to eat my dinner. Can I have a moment here? And see, when you're on Radio Row, it's, it's like, it's like this when you're on Radio Row. Oh my God, man. Hey, do you, I, you know, I, no, I, I'm not, no, we're good. Oh my God, I know who you are. And you're like, you know, I, yeah, okay, well, that's not always a good thing. Ask LJ. Okay? That's not always a good thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you come on our show? We'd love, I go, no, 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 no. I really don't do a lot of interviews. Unless people that come on my program or me know, I have to know you a long time, like a Craig Carton or somebody. I'm not being an elitist. I just don't trust anyone because I get sabotaged when I go on some of these shows. So I don't do it anymore. I don't, I don't, I don't do interviews. I mean, I, I get people asking me to do columns on, and I go, no, that's okay. What am I doing? And I, I don't do it because I've been sabotaged too much. So you're sitting next to a guy. So radio row is like being on a cruise ship. Hey man. So what do you make it a Super Bowl? <laughs> you know, I'm not going to stay for the game. I'm leaving Friday. You know how many games I didn't go to? I went to 15 Radio Rows. I went to two Super Bowls. I never stayed for the game because I didn't care. I, I didn't care. It wasn't a big deal to me. I've been to football games. I've played in them. What's the big deal? Oh. Mario goes, never forget Pete Carroll get, got intercepted on the three-yard line. Hey, Mauro. How about the decision he made to go for it on fourth down in a national title game against Texas? Cost him that too. Those will be brought up. Jim Schwartz, once again, congratulations to you. A-Rod 12 gets heat for the truth. 
woke ESPN. I saw that thing yesterday. Kudos to him. I think he clarified exactly what he said. But you see what happens when you get woke people. Hey, did you see that column too in the USA Today? What a pathetic column. Some crazy ass imbecile person who wrote that article compared Aaron Rodgers to Lance Armstrong, Barry Bonds, Pete Rose, people who cheated the game and compared them to people who actually affected the game and how they're perceived. Called him a cheater when that imbecile has no idea what she's talking about. She's an imbecile. Where in the world did he cheat the game? He's a four-time MVP. He's a Super Bowl champion. And for you to compare him to Lance Armstrong, who ruined lives and cheated his sport because of doping, it just shows you how over the top these woke liberals will go to at no extent to make it about them. It's an imbecilic conversation in an article that is just absolutely over the top. Aaron Rodgers didn't cheat the NFL. But what you do is you, 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 you tar and feather him to put him in a category like that when he has nothing to do with Bonds or Rose or Clemens or Lance Armstrong or any of those guys. She's an imbecile. Dude, is he quirky and weird? Absolutely. Is, is, is he a conspiracy theorist? Absolutely. Is he over the top? Yes. Is he a cheater? No. Why would you call him that? Because our media protects each other. Not me. I don't give a shit about those people. They're gonna they're they're gonna think what he hey dude he totally and by by the way first time ESPN's ever had a show that was must tune in television because I thought he clarified it but that's not gonna be good enough dude Pat McAfee will be canceled in six months he'll get a bigger bag somewhere else that was never gonna be Disney's not gonna allow that. Can't have a guy like that who gets great ratings and gives you the gives you the middle finger every day. Ego can't take that, just like Howie. Okay? You think Doug Peterson, if he won another Super Bowl and he's giving Howie Roseman the middle finger and doing it his way, you think the organization's going to allow that? What I tell you about control and ego, control and ego, Supersedes winning. Always. Because you're blinded by your ego. Even the Cowboys with Jimmy. Jimmy and Jerry's ego blinded winning. If that's not the biggest lesson to learn, Jordan, Michael Jordan, Phil Jackson, Jerry Krause, Jerry Reinsdorf, Ego, blinded winning. Those guys were never beaten on the court. 
They were beaten in a boardroom. I mean, we see this all the time. And the Eagles are the prime example of this. They're the greatest example of how ego gets in the way. I'm listening to Tone and Rob. And God bless them. They come up with great topics. They do a great job. I heard D Gun. Good to see too. And I'm glad to hear his wife is doing well. He's such a great God-fearing man. I love people of, of God. And I love people who believe in God. God first and all. I I, I love that. I have great, great, great respect for that. Then why did you? It's, you know, Bear, my family says the same thing. I had numerous opportunities, okay? I could have coached in Cleveland with the Browns, Butch. Butch in North Carolina, Butch at Miami. I could have coached with Dennis Erickson, Seattle, and also with Miami. Um, I had opportunities to be in the pro, pub, or, um, the pro personnel department with the Raiders when they went back to Oakland. I worked with the Raiders, actually, and Al would ask me a lot. And there was some talk of me joining the Buccaneers when Bruce Allen and John Gruden were there. But I, I, I stuck to broadcasting. Probably the mistake. I don't know, but I enjoy it. Okay? But I enjoy it. Um, you know, people are still talking about the same thing. What's the changes that need to be made? What does it matter? What does it matter if the philosophical mentality doesn't change? You're wrong on these coaches. The coaches are the low-hanging fruit. This is nothing to do. Here, I'm going to give you the greatest example of how your culture blows when it comes to hiring not inferior inexperienced people here how many people think wink martindale is a good coach as a good d coordinator shit the eagles everyone who ever goes against the giants you know what they say his schemes are insane great he he he's his blitzing the way he, he puts schemes together wink martindale is special. He's a special coach, man. He is without a doubt one of the better D coordinators. So what happened? The organization jumped in the room and started firing some of his assistants. He went in and had a screaming match with the head coach and told him to go fuck himself. And they fired him. You think Sean Desai or anybody, or Matt Patricia is going to stick up for their assistant coaches? Do you think anybody would do that in Philly? Why didn't Nick stick up for Desai and do the right thing? Wink Martindale acted more like a head coach than Nick Sirianni ever did. Yeah, okay. Let's make the move at 10-2. and two. 
Let's make the move a coordinator at 10 and 2. Who thinks that's a right move? It's actually blown up in their face. These last couple weeks, it's been worse. Tony Dungy got fired in Tampa because he wouldn't fire Clyde Christensen, his offensive coordinator. He's like, if you telling me to fire Clyde, I'm out. And Tony goes, they go, you're out then. Because they wanted an offense. They probably should have gotten him a better offensive mind. But Tony wasn't going to have anybody pick his coaches for him. That's why, do you guys know that? That's why he was fired? Tony Dungy wasn't fired because of lack of production and changing the culture around. Tony Dungy was fired because he protected Clyde Christensen. I was there for it. I was there for it. Tony goes like this. That's not happening. If you're tell Tony got a job within six hours. Bill Polian called him. What do you need? Colts hired him. And you know, you know, you know what Polian said to him? Coach, Peyton Manning really likes Tom Moore. He's been with him for six years. What do you think? He goes, Well, if Peyton's having success with him and he likes him, I know Tom. Let's keep him. Polian goes, thank God. Thank you. Won a Super Bowl. Yes, sir, baby. And the rest was history. Okay? The rest was history. You got a coach who, for right now, is going... You know, one thing I will say about the Cowboys here. The Cowboys head coach is on the hot seat. Why shouldn't Sirianni's ass be on the hot seat? Okay? Last three years, Mike McCarthy's 36-15, and 1-2 and two in the postseason. Sirianni's 34-17. and 17. Super Bowl, and he's two and two. Mike's won a Super Bowl. Mike McCarthy could be fired if he gets bounced by the Packers, which I'm praying for. Dude, you got a leadership problem in your building. And the only way you'll win that game on Sunday is Monday is because of the leadership you have in your players. It's the only way you're going to win. You have no leadership with management. Howie's not a leader. Howie Roseman's not a leader. That's not a leader. He has no leadership capability or qualities about leading anything. He's not a leader. He's an enabler. Enablers aren't leaders. Howie has no conviction. In what he does. How he goes by committee and then makes a decision off of his people instead of listening to people who will say no to him. You know, the great players and the great, think about this. Think about the great people that have been in our lives when it comes to our great athletes 
in sports history. Ali had Angelo Dundee. How many times do you remember that scene with Angelo Dundee with Sugar Ray Leonard? You're losing it, son. You're losing it. 14th round against Hearns. Comes back and knocks him out. Ali wanted to quit against Liston because something was on his gloves, ripped the gloves off. No, 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 no. Let's, we're here. Let's keep going. Michael Jordan had Phil Jackson telling him, you want to score scoring titles? Great. Or do you want to win NBA titles? Kobe and Shaq couldn't win until they got Phil Jackson. Tom Brady had Bill Belichick. Montana had Walsh. Bradshaw had Noel. Scotty Bowman with those great Montreal Canadian teams. You always have a guy in the building that says no to you. Even Tiger, his first caddy, who used to give him shit all the time. He has a one as much since that guy was his caddy or since Haney was his swing coach. You always had, look at, look at LeBron's greatest time as an athlete. What was the most significant thing in the building? There were two of them. I didn't realize that Eric Spolster would be that great a coach because he came from the, like some sort of library where he was like the quality control guy. But of course, because I mean, you got to look at how that guy runs runs the operation there. Pat Riley is a sick, incredibly gifted executive. And he told LeBron, sit your ass down. You're not getting private plane trips. You're not doing any of that stuff. And he played his greatest basketball when he was with the Miami Heat, in my opinion. I think LeBron James probably left three more NBA championships on the table because he left Pat Riley and Eric Spolstrom. Eric Spolster is his greatest coach he ever had. Okay? So, again, at the end of the day, everyone's had someone. I think, quite frankly, LeBron James is underachieved because he never had that guy tell him no. Kobe's had people like Phil in his ear. Jalen Hurts will never fulfill his destiny with the current structure of how they do business in Philly. You know why? Because I don't trust they'll put qualified people around him. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> S. Blunt goes, he went two more after. I said he probably left three in Miami. I didn't say he wouldn't win. But it ain't quite six, is it? It's not quite six. Jalen Hurts, here. I'm probably going to save this topic to the top of the hour. Oh, by the way, Mark Farsetta will join us part of our pregame 
halftime and post game on Jacob Sports. That'll be at 4.30. Tone will join us at 3.30. I think Wink Martindale showed you exactly what a coordinator does for his people and a coach does for his people. He defends them. Nick Sirianni never defended Sean Desai. That's not a coach. That's a company man. Doug Peterson defended his coaching staff. Got fired. Mike Vrabel defended his coaching staff. Got fired. That's what men do. That's what men do. Men defend them. Dan, don't hate us because we have delusional fans. Debbie, let let me rephrase it, Debbie. I hate your delusional fans, which are many. Dallas, I met my wife in Dallas. So you know, Debbie. I met my wife in Dallas. Okay? Not all that. As a matter of fact, I've never in my lifetime ever seen better looking women than in the city of Dallas. (laughs) Man, you can go get yourself a Happy Meal and go, okay, I'll be coming here every day. (laughs) Okay. RTF goes, is she a Cowboy fan? Um, She's a Tom Landry fan. She's not a Jimmy Johnson fan because, hey, that was part. Hey, I'll tell you this, RTF, just real quick here. Part of the problem that we had when we first met is that Jimmy Johnson took over the Cowboys and they ran kind of Coach Landry out of the building. And I got signed by Coach Landry. And she goes, I hate this guy, Jimmy Johnson. I said, she, go, she goes, you played for him, right? I went, I did. She goes, this guy's an asshole. I'll always be a Tom Landry guy. Ugh. <laughs> hey. But then again, she's a Tommy. Hey, she's a Bobby Bowden guy too. So, I mean. Every time Miami plays Florida State, believe me, man, you know, there's some angst. She likes Bobby. I love Bobby Bowden, too. Okay. I was in Dallas, way better looking. Win- Tampa's got some great looking chicks, too. Will not deny that. Okay. Big Sills always brightens up when he speaks about his wife. That's awesome. Hey, hey, Matt, just like I told you, though, man. I've never hated anybody more, but I've never loved anybody more. And just, and I know Tone's got a good one too, but just remember, if you want to live in pain and misery, marry a hot chick. If you want to be fed in love, marry a fat chick. That's all I'm saying. And I'm, you know, (laughs) that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. It's just some advice for some of the youngsters in here. That's all I'm saying. You want to be loved and fed Marry a fat chick. You want to have misery, pain, angst, marry a hot chick. 
and I think you know where I am. <laughs> well, um, I ate the guy she married, so I kind of think it's irrelevant now. Yeah, life lessons number one from Sills. We're good. All right. My guy Tone is going to join us at 3.30. Don't forget to go to our good friends here. And Hey, Tone's going to throw out a code word. All you have to do is give us your information, Show at Gmail, and you can win yourself some gift certificates from our fabulous friends at Hooters. You get merchandise. You get a chance to get some gift cards. Each and every single day from Tuesday all the way to Friday, we will qualify people. And on a football Monday, we will give you the opportunity to hear your name called on winning yourself one of those or two of those gift certificates because we picked two winners. And all you have to do is dancecilioshow at gmail.com. All great information to you go to northeasttutors.com. That's northeasttutors.com. We have the 2024 calendars out. They got $100 gift coupons that are inside. All you have to do is go in there and find those coupons there. Great calendar, the 2024 calendar. We appreciate it. Wing Wednesdays, 1983. All you can eat, kids eat for free on Saturday. If Lori is smart, he'll get a coach to run the whole show, put Howie in charge of finance. He does not start a season with the right team, thinks he can change it on the fly. Bear, stop. Stop. All you guys who put those things out there, you know better. This is an ownership thing. This is an ownership thing, guys. Hit the like button. Keep it here, National Football Show. And Hooters, the perfect pair. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. 
You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Quick note to uh, Cowboys fans, how's fat guy Mozzie Smith doing? <laughs> hey, I told you he's a bust. He sucks. You drafted him in the first round? You're kidding, right? That guy's like a fifth rounder. I mean, there's dudes that are in the Hudson that the mafia threw in with cement shoes that have better feet than him. Remember that, <laughs> okay? Jimmy Hoffa has cement shoes on, and he's in the Hudson somewhere. And Mozzie Smith has the same feet as guys with cement shoes. He's terrible. Jerry Jones is going, this guy, here's Reggie White. I'm like, Reggie White? Um, You mean Stan White. <laughs> Not Reggie White. Mozzie Smith. Holy cow. I think guy's not good enough to play in the UFL. That guy stinks. Mozzie Smith. I remember when people were going, hey, you see the kid from Michigan? How many great Michigan defensive tackles do you ever remember that program producing? Let me think. DTs, please. Know your football and don't sound like Cowboy fan. That will throw ends out. I'm talking about DTs. Name me one. Hmm. Like in history. Name me one DT in NFL history. Let me name me one Michigan defensive tackle that's ever been a great tackle in the NFL. Cement shoes, Mozzie. Yeah, what what is it? What 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 are those guys called? The, the guy, yeah, Cement Shoes Smith. <laughs> hey. There you go, Greg. I like it. Cement Shoe Smith. Hey, who? Hey, who did the Cowboys draft? Cement Shoe Smith. Have you seen him? No. 
I know. He's still back there behind in his last place. He's in the last lineup over there. Cement Shoes line, a Cement Shoes Smith. That's great, Greg. I love that name for Mozzie Smith. As I said, Mike, because you can't listen and you can't hear. I said tackles, not ends. Tackles. 2% of what you say, turn it into something that's dumb. I never said ends. BG's not a DT. Hey, C-Block Mozzie. Oh, yeah. Hey, I don't like football. I like beating people up. We better get a job as a bouncer. Maybe Sirianni didn't stuck up for uh, the side because he didn't want him there to begin with, but didn't have a choice. Well, then he's not a coach. Alan Branch? Who? Okay. Let me show you how disappointing the end stretch has been for Jalen Carter, though. Okay? Yes, Jordan Davis is way better than Mozzie Smith. Absolutely. Even with him falling off the way he did. Okay? Even even the way he fought. Okay, even the way he fell off. Did you see who pro football focused? And they're pretty good on what the pulse is going to be. Did you see who's going to get the rookie of the year defensively in the NFL? Did you see who it's going to be? This is a precursor. Kobe Turner, nine sacks, defensive tackle, Rams. He's a third-round draft choice from Wake Forest. Um, Will Anderson's going to finish second, and Jalen Carter has plummeted to third. Uh, Witherspoon will finish either third or second or fourth, somewhere in there. But the front runners who were at the beginning of the season where Carter was a slam dunk, Kobe Turner is going to win. He leads all rookies with nine sacks. He broke Aaron Donald's rookie Rams pass rushing record. It's pretty amazing. And he's a third rounder from Wake Forest. You talk about getting your personnel decisions right? Right there, Kobe Walker. Okay, I mean, Jalen Carter fell off a lot. I thought, I mean, I thought he could have coasted to that award. I really did. I thought he could have coasted to that award. But he fell off quite a bit, man. He did. Maniac, he fell off the bus. He didn't get a, he didn't get off the bus. Yeah, he fell off the bus. He sure did. All right. Let me get to the second topic here, and I want to ask you guys a question here about Jalen Hurts. I'm not going to ask a question like, do you think he wins a Super Bowl in his career in Philly? It's too simple and low-hanging. I will ask you this, though. Do you think any narrative has changed with ownership and with management. Coaching doesn't matter. They have no say in this. But do you think management and ownership have a different, I don't want to say opinion of the kid, 
But there's a different narrative of him after what what they've seen. Or will they wait to hold that narrative until after Tampa? It's a good point, Richie. That's right, Richie. That's a great take. Richie, that's the right take. Narratives change every year because look at Lamar Jackson. Damn, you're right. You're right. Great take, Richie. Because the narrative has changed on Lamar in one year. So obviously the narrative has changed with Jalen. You have to think that's true. You don't think of Jalen Hurts the same as you did last year, this year, if you're ego management. You're, you're not going to do that because that's not who they are and how they act. They fired a D coordinator when he was 10 and two, 10 and three, whatever it was. So they changed their thinking process quite rapidly, actually, in that building. What would that narrative be, though? Jalen can't win with all the pieces on the place. Like, what if Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown aren't playing against Tampa? Or A.J. Brown's not playing? I'm just, I'm not saying they're not. I don't know that yet. And he shits the bed. Do you think a new narrative will be out there? Well, he can't carry a team. And if you're paying a guy $50 million that can't carry a team. Now, again, I mean, I saw Kyler Murray beat the Eagles with nobody. I saw him carry the Cardinals to a win. Is that fair? And whether or not the Eagles quit or lay down, that's not a Cardinals problem. I saw Kyler Murray with far less talent. Nick said yesterday that Brian calls the plays. The offense is the same as Steichen. Brian Johnson just doesn't have a feel for the game. This wasn't a year to have an OC learning on the job. LJ, this is kind of what we said at the beginning. Why are you hiring a training wheels coach? I've said this since day one. I, wh- why would you give a guy $50 million and hire the most inexperienced? And by the way, Brian Johnson may be a great coach one day. I gave you the comparison. Look at what Raheem Morris is doing right now with the Rams and how good a coach he is with the Rams as a D coordinator. He's going to get an opportunity to be a head coach somewhere. I think he's ready to be a head coach. I would love to have Raheem Morris. Raheem Morris is a great dude to be around. He's a people guy, but he's going to get in your ass. I love Raheem Morris. I'm friends, dear friends with him. What makes you think Lori won't demote Howie, only finance and hire experienced coaches to run the team? He did it before with Chip. You're right. You're right. You're right. He has. There is a sample size that he's done this. That's the only hope in this. Well, let, let me let me get back to what I'm talking about here, though, with Jalen. Here, here's the, I think they're going to hold reservation. I think, look, what grade would you give Jalen Hurts for 2022 regular season? What, what, what would you say his year was? 
What would you? C plus? B minus? You're not winning. Hey, how about this? You're not winning. You're not winning 11 games without him. Not with that thing you got behind him. If you if Marcus Mariota started for the Eagles this year, they'd win eight games. <clears throat> what, 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 what do you think this year? C plus, B minus? Sure. You can pick one. I don't care. I don't think any one of them's wrong. That's not 50 million bucks. For him, 2022, I would give him an A. For 2023, I'd give him a B minus. That's, guys, I want to, you know what? Now that, let me look at that, what Tone just said. For 2022, an A. For 23, a B minus. Do you understand that's not that far of a dip? Carson went from A to F. Josh Allen went from A to C minus when Dable left. You guys are grading this guy a tad bit too harsh. Guys make steps backwards in their career. See, don't ever compare anybody to the guy who was in New England. He's an outlier. You know Peyton Manning threw 28 interceptions his first year in the league? He had 28 picks. He threw 28 picks in Indianapolis. I mean... I, you know what? I, I remember the conversation I had with many of you. I said, you know, he made this leap like this. Don't be disappointed if the leap is this. And it just so happens there was no leap. He's not a better passer. He's probably as – actually, he was more efficient last year because you know why he was more efficient? Some would say, well – He's got no, he doesn't have better numbers this year. He's got more completions. He's got just about the same amount of touchdowns. And he's got just about the same amount of passing yards with more attempts. I wouldn't consider that a success. I'll take 22 over 23 any day. And I'm not even counting the turnovers. He was a force last year. This year, He was a passing dude that was kind of good at spots. He was common. I don't think there was anything special at all this year about Jalen Hurts in any ball game, except there's like two of them that stick out. Last year, he was exceptional. Again, I I compared him to Emmett Smith. You looked up, he had 250 passing, and he had a 75 rushing and three TDs. And you were like, fuck, what was that? And on third down, he was insane. And six turnovers, or whatever it was, when it comes to INTs. 
He was better last year. Okay? He, he, he was more, get this, he threw for less passing yards. Still had 2,000-yard receivers. Turnovers were less. He was more effective. He had more positive passing yards last year than he did this year. And again, I'm going to tell you the critical thing that I told you about four months ago. And then Tone pointed out the stat to me um, a couple, either a week ago or whatever, that Jalen Hurts has made the most difficult passes of any guy um, in the league this year. And I told you the prime example was that Seattle game. You had a guy wide open underneath. He goes to the double cover guy. He's back to struggling. You know what he's, you know what he's done too? He's reverted back to his bad habits of 21 because of bad coaching. All of this has taken a toll on him. He's struggling with blitzing. You don't have good quality guys blocking in the run game, running backs. He's going to one target again, and you're telling him where to throw, and you're making him throw the harder throw. What did you expect? Inconsistency in the passing game. And yet, get this. You built up all your fool's gold money and those shitty teams at the beginning of the year because in the last six, he's been terrible. Actually, I'll take that back. In critical moments, in times like Kansas City, Buffalo, there were moments in the game where he was special. That last drive against Buffalo is a special, that's special. That's special stuff. If if I were to go to you and gay and go, Sills, tell me the moment that you really liked Jalen Hurts this year. What was like a month? Buffalo last drive in OT. I dug that because the Bills were finding themselves and gathering themselves and they were running at will against the Eagles and Hurts had to make a drive and he did and he won it. That was pretty that was really great football by the Eagles and the team. I think that's their last crowning effort. That is their last push was that Buffalo game. Because since Buffalo in the overtime, it's been dog shit. They put every ounce of every effort they had in that overtime. And since that overtime, it's been horseshit. If you think about it, the since the buy you're three and five. I mean, that Buffalo game, how many plays did the defensive guys play in that game? What was it, 90? They had to chase Allen around? You guys are saying that the Niner game took him out. I don't know. I think that Buffalo game wore him out. And I think the 49ers finished him off. I think it was Buffalo. They had to put every ounce of every effort that they could into that game. And if I'm not mistaken, wasn't there like 90 plays in that game? They had to go to overtime. They gave up 500 yards. It was their last push for greatness. That last drive. 
symbolized who they were. It was guts, glory, intangibles, beating a good team. Dude, the Buffalo Bills are the two seed. It can win the AFC. And they gutted it out. I hear everybody in Philly going, 49ers finished them off. I, I think, I know, 49ers broke their will. I don't know about breaking their will. I think they may have finished them off. But that Buffalo game took every ounce of effort they had. Did it not? You had to go five quarters to win that game. It's been an interesting week, to say the least, man. Let's bring my guy Tone in. All right, let's do it. I'm officially with you. I hate Cowboy fans. <laughs> hey, listen, man. They uh, they stench of has-beens. Dude, you're rooting for NFC East when you backed into it. The Eagles were playing their shittiest ball of the year. You're crowing over something I said in February, mm. and you won the East. If that's your crowning achievement, they got some problems. You got pro right. It's like rooting to get to a bowl game instead of going undefeated and winning a national title or going to a so you, you think the Eagles, their objective was to win the East? Their objective was to win the Super Bowl. Now, you know, I, I give I give Dak Prescott credit for this. You know, after that game, after they clinched it, you know, everybody was wearing the hats and they were excited about winning the winning the division. He was like, Yeah, I'm 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 cool. Um, I want something more. I could respect that mindset, right? Not you know, because uh, he he didn't wear the hat, he didn't wear he didn't wear none of the gear. So I respect Dak Prescott for um you know for exercising that level of leadership in that moment. But overall, as a as a culture, as a fan base, I mean they're they're diluted, and every year is their year. So uh, look, man, they won the division. I don't want to come off as the bitter one, so I'll let you do all the cooking. Oh no, I'm I'll... bitter because they gave it to him. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. have to be bitter for that that you gave it to them. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, they did their job, right? The, did Philadelphia, they? the Philadelphia Eagles is the, are, are the ones who dropped you the ball. think they did their job? I don't. What job did they do? Who they beat? Okay, they beat a team like Philly who was running out of gas. But that's what I'm, I'm saying. Not who else? Did, what what job did they do? No, I hear you. I, I I'm 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 with you about strength. I'm frustrated opponent. with them. You know, I'm frustrated too because I have to. I have to be okay, or not, not, let me not say okay. I have to be. I have to accept that my Philadelphia Eagles, they didn't live up to their end of the bargain. I'm not giving because them they were in full control. I'm they not. I'm control. not going to do that. I'm sorry. I'm going to be a bitter Dan and go like this. You, you, you guys didn't deserve it, and I'm sorry. But if you want to go down, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Tone. I'm not a good sport. No, you can do that. I can't do that. Okay. I can't. I'm I, not a good sport. Because I'm a strong, because I'm a fan. You're you're and, you're you're a better person than me. You are a wonderful man. You are really with great intangibles. I'm not. I don't like losing, and I am not going to shake your hand because I handed you something. Yeah, that's yeah, just who I, I am, Tone. I'm not I'm, a very I'm, good I'm, loser. I'm with you. I'm I'm not a good loser as well. I'm not a good loser. Um, but you show yeah, me a good yeah. winner, I'll show you a waiter. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not a good loser. I'm not at all. But you know what? You know, on a side note, though, you said something interesting earlier about, you know, what that Buffalo game did to the Eagles, right? And I think what we saw in that game 
they squeezed out whatever bit of talent or will they had left in that game. Because that was, in, in my opinion, I believe that was the best football we've seen Jalen Hurts play all year. Oh, that Espe- last espe- drive. Especially in the second half. The second half, he was surgical. He was surgical in that second half. I've never he, – he, he, that was the sharpest we've seen him all year. So now I'm curious or trying to figure out, was it something Buffalo wasn't doing? Or no. what was it that he was doing or what was happening that allowed him to be in that moment? Like it's an that? eternal thing. It's nothing to do schematically or any they, they You every, think he was just in you think he was just in a flow state. He was just I in just a, think that enti- I think this is a team thing. It's not just him. This is a team thing that those guys mm-hmm. what did how many plays did they play on defense? 95. 95. Dude. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna, and some I'm of those gonna, guys also, real quick, some of those guys, because I want to make sure they get they just do. A lot of those guys played on special teams. So Reed Blankenship, over 100 snaps. Hey, um, dude, you know, some a, of those lot guys of, played a, like a, that guy from Colorado. Yeah, okay. a couple guys played over 100 snaps in that okay. game, yeah. Let me say this to you. When you give your guts and the soul and that last – because to me, the Buffalo game is the last game we saw the Eagles play. With some kind of heart, with some kind of like. That's the last Eagle game I remember this year. Yeah, same. Okay, because the rest of it since then has been horseshit. <laughs> yeah. And so, and I think then the 49ers completely just finished them off. Yeah. And the Cowboy game, they couldn't pick themselves up because they don't have proper leadership in, um, in the coaching staffs. The players are trying to find themselves. All of a sudden, the inexperience at the quarterbacking when it comes to the coaching to try to help Jalen not make – dude, dump it off, dump it off, dump it off, dump it off. Mm-hmm. Why is the problem winning a game 10-7? Why do you have a problem, Tone, or not you, but why the management people in that organization have a problem winning games 3-2? to two? Why do you have a problem – Winning a game 14-10. Right. I don't give a 14, shit what yeah, the score you, is yeah. in the game. Right. Because the because the real the real work is in the playoffs. Win the game. The, the regular season is all about positioning yourself for the playoffs. That's all it's about. Who cares about the style points? Position yourself for the playoffs. Right? Win the game. Get the number one seed. And then you can get all fancy, you know, uh, all you want in the playoffs. But I agree with you. I think I think there's a uh, there needs to be a re reevaluation of, of of how they view football because it's not it's not a pretty sport so why are we trying to why are we trying to you know put makeup on it now all of a sudden that's the one part about where the NFL is going that I don't like it's a it's a nasty it's an ugly it's a gritty sport yet they're trying to put eyelashes and makeup on it and nail polish I'm not a fan of that I'm gonna criticize you here let's do it Stop asking the same damn dumb questions every day you know what it is it's the guy listen and, and you know what <laughs> Hey, that's because you, you did that me, shit to me you yesterday. Back. You got me back. You got me because back. you right. did that shit to me yesterday. Stop doing that, dude. You know, it, dude. It, somebody goes, "Hey, Sills, what uh, about um, what what about Pete?" Dude, shut up. Ew. I'm not yo, answering that. live chat, y'all. Live chat, y'all hear him, man? He got me. He got me, man. <laughs> stop doing that. Okay, what 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 has to be checked? You know, oh, as soon man. as you say what has to be, and the last word is change, you know it. I know it. There's I know. philosophically I know. changing the way they do business. But he's done it before. Can you do it again? 
The, this is what this comes down to. You know, no, this is that's where it comes down to. It doesn't come down to the coaching. Listen, I, I, I asked Diga straight up. Do you trust this coaching staff I heard to, to do the right thing? I completely did. I, and I, he said, I, nope. He said, nope. I said, I said, do you trust the, nope. I don't, I don't trust. I, yeah, I, think, every, I, I think everybody's done as much as I respect him. I disagree with him that that stuff, he doesn't want to put it on management. I do. Yeah, I think I think I think we disagree um, with that. Well, I I disagree with that as well. Um, you know, because you know when he said it, I kind of was like, oh, okay, you with know? with respect. Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, yeah, it's I mean, it's just sports talk. You know, no, no one's you know killing killing anybody. It's just you know we just disagree, you and we should say. be able to disagree. We should, we should be able to disagree as adults, and um, you know, and and this is the thing about the Philadelphia Eagles, right? Their issues are so entrenched. You have a hard time pinpointing where the source really is, and I and and here's the reality though: I don't think anybody is really Are you wrong. To this, everyone, go ahead, you know, keep going. Yeah, yeah. You I have a tough think, time pinpointing this. No, no, hear me out. I oh, don't I'm think. Gonna, let I don't my think, glasses off for this. <laughs> I don't think anybody is wrong in who they point the finger at, right? I think, I think the issue becomes who should wear the most of it. And I think that's where people disagree with because I think the front office has to wear a lot of this. I think the coach staff has to wear a lot of this. I also think the players got to wear a lot of this too. So, I mean, everybody has their own perspective of how they want to, you know, how they want to displace the blame. But I always got to start from the top. Okay. Well, let me ask you something here. Say we're in a we're in a Spanish galleon, and you have a whip, and I'm rowing with the rest of my crew and you're whipping me and whipping me and whipping me and mm-hmm. all you're doing is leading me into troubled waters and into a position where we're going to sink burn mm-hmm. or die comes a point yep. where i'm with and my guys are gonna jump out of the galleon mm-hmm. and go get the guy with the whip Okay, because when you're whipping us, you're leading us. Mm-hmm. Those players don't want to be led by what's being told to them. And that's where I'm at with it. I believe they've completely checked out of the message that's being that's being taught. That's why I have a hard time believing that Nick Sirianni should be here next year. Because I don't believe you get something like that back. That's just me. Hire a doorman. I don't care who you hire. It'll be the same guy. He's a doorman. I mean, he's a doorman. I mean, it's it's classic. Well, you know, hey, you know, it, it, I I had I had people actually in New York go, Sills, don't you think Vrabel would be? And I go, let me hook you up with something. You've got to think of the meekest person you can find. You've got to go to like a CPA down on wall street or over in the diamond district right in new york and you gotta find a guy down in that neck of the woods who understands how to manage businesses and doesn't really know anything about football because they don't want football people like oh no they don't have football people in there now yeah yeah yes it's, uh, I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm not I'm, going to have any of these conversations about 
Well, dude, do you think this coach here? Look, let me let me let me show you this, and I think this is a great example. So Wink Martindale had mm-hmm. a problem with two assistants that were fired. Yeah, I heard about and that. that now, I'll tell you what. He goes in there and he told the guy to go fuck himself, and they had an argument, and they were screaming at one another. So Dable fired him. There's ego. You know what I would have did if I was Dable? I would have tried to keep the best one of the best coordinators in the NFL in the building and tried to compromise because, to me, that's how you hurt your team. So what are you going to do, hire a lesser coordinator? Man, that's a dumb move. Wink Martindale needs better talent around him. And here's- you don't fire the coaches. And you know what? Dirt shows you there. Wink Martindale had say in the hirings of his assistants. And when Nick did not defend Desai, I knew right there he didn't hire him. There's mm. a difference in how you look at coaching. Wink Martindale was hired by the organization and not by Dable. Okay? And that's why in November they had a conflict. Wink Martindale brought all his assistants in. Right. Okay? That's coaching. He brings the philosophy in. He brings his style of coaching in. He brings his assistants in. Dable didn't like it because you know why? He didn't hire him. Well, guess what? When you get a good coordinator in the room, he wants his folks in the room. He ain't going to take plug and play. That's the problem in Philly. It's plug and play. I've been saying that for three years. It's plug and play. You can't run systems like that, Tone. If you hire a quality, hey, what? Sean Desai may go somewhere and be a great coordinator and implement his own Fangio type system mm-hmm. and may go somewhere and be a big blitzer. And you may look at it and go, damn, that guy's doing shit. Like when I watch Gannon blitzing the Eagles, I'm like, he wasn't doing that shit here. That's why Denar Wilson is not here because Denar Wilson. Wanted to throw some curveballs in the situation, and you know how we and those boys ain't having that. Like you said, we know the answer to these. Uh, we know the answer to this test already. Denard Wilson, he would have been perfect for this team. They had him in the building. You know, he 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 was on. He was one of the first on the roster. You know, with Nick and all those boys, he was here. Just how you elevated Brian Johnson, you could have elevated Denard. But here's the difference: Brian Johnson agreed to play ball. Denard agreed not to, and that's why one is here and one is not. I don't know if he did not. I don't know if he did not want to play ball. He probably, they assumed he didn't want to buy his interview. Yeah, that's and, and, I, and yeah, you know, let's frame it that way because I think that's more, that's more, that's more friendly on his side. Did Carroll just get fired? Do I think he just got? No, fired? No, no. Did Carroll just get fired? Well, it was reported by Adam Schefter that you know he's going to be out. Okay. It says here, uh, Pete Carroll out in Seattle. Seahawks likely to. Um, it says Dan Quinn is a strong candidate to return to Seattle as the head coach. Yeah, it makes uh, sense. And that's, and that's via uh, Ian Rappaport. Yeah, because that um, the Allen family likes him. Yeah, he uh, he he was there at one point. Yep, so. he created the Legion of Boom. But get this, so you, so you replace Pete Carroll with Pete Carroll's assistant. What are you mm. going to get different? It's the same guy. Is 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 Pete just doing this because? And he's going to, like, because he's 72 years old? Yeah. How old is Pete Carroll? Let's find out. I think, I, I know he's in his 70s. He's 72 years old. Yep. Okay. You're 72 years old, dude. I mean, where are we going here? How many years do you think he's got left? Six? <laughs> I mean, who do you think he's Biden? I mean, you know, he's not going to, he's not going to, he's not going to coach until he's 80. Oh, you're crazy, man. You know, <laughs> I, I just, you know, after a while, 
Pete Carroll be looking for a ramp like Biden. I'm kidding. I digress. Go ahead. That, hey, listen, Pete, listen, Pete Carroll does a good job of making sure he's uh, well medicated. I'll tell you what. Oh, oh, so you think he dips on the Ginja and he's got a hookah. All right. Hey, hey so, listen. Hey, hey here's I, I, a Pete Carroll meeting. Give me that hookah, man. I think we should run that listen. banjo six. <laughs> hey, hey, think about Think about all the places he's coached. He's coached in California. And Seattle. <laughs> he, he makes sure them laws. Are you saying he was a drinker in Boston? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but all I'm saying is Pete Carroll knows what to do to keep you know, keep himself limber, keep himself nice and calm, man. It's a reason he's been able to do this job until the 70s. No stress, gotta, baby. I, hey, wait. I got to th- I gotta thank somebody. I mean, I got I, – hey, congratulations, Jim Swartz, for being the NFL assistant of the um, of the year. And, oh, for uh, real? Congratulations. Yeah, he's been named the NFL Assistant of the Year. Tone, help me out. Was he a coordinator somewhere when they won a Super Bowl? Where was that? Yeah, um, I think that was uh, Philadelphia. Phil, why did he leave? Oh, uh, you know, personalities clash. You know how that goes. You know how that goes, man. Hey, who left? Did Schwartz leave first or did Doug? Schwartz left first. Schwartz left first. Doug told him. Yeah, I think that's how that happened, if I'm not mistaken. So I why did you offer him the job? Uh, oh, wait, because wait, it'd wait, be wait, like what do you hiring mean? Doug. Wait, wait, do you mean like how come he didn't offer who the job? Who, who how come about? Eagles didn't offer Jim Schwartz a job? He was a coach in Detroit. Oh, you mean like a um, like another DC no. job or the head? Why didn't he offer him the head coaching job? Because Jim Schwartz, he was. I mean, it is Detroit, and Detroit is hard to turn around. But he was in Detroit for how long? Three years, four years, and that didn't really. I thought work he was out. there a couple. Of, I thought he was there like four years. Yeah, it didn't really look too well on that on that side of things. So you know, that kind of thing stains you. Oh you know? wait a minute. So wait, Schwartz doesn't look good at Detroit. Sirianni's got a great record, but he's looks he he he's your he's your guy, right? That's not what I said. I, what I, oh, all right, let's just keep the score here. I mean, it's, it's, it's not I, what I, I said. I, I, no, I just I'm, want to make sure we're being I'm, fair here. I, I, I'm only saying Jim Schwartz, he was a head coach at one point. He hasn't had a head coaching opportunity since. Maybe that's by design. Maybe that's by choice. I don't know. Your Honor. It, but I'm also on. giving him a break because it's Detroit, and no one was able to turn around Detroit around that time. So, Your Honor, I move on. Yes, sir. All right. Hey, <laughs> so – Mike McCarthy in the last three years is 36 and 15, one and two. Got a Super Bowl win in his past. Mm-hmm. Your boy is 34 and 17, two and two, and it just comes off a Super Bowl appearance. Mike McCarthy's job's on the line. Why shouldn't Nick's? I think Nick's job is on the line, though. It should be, in my opinion. You know, I never said it wasn't. I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer that if he drops this Buccaneers game, he needs to have a. You know, to put it to put it nicely, uh, he needs to go through a strong uh, evaluation. But I think his job was on the line wholeheartedly. I believe that. There's no way you collapse the way you did over these past several weeks and think your job shouldn't be in question, right? All the things that's been coming out of that locker room, all the mishandlings of personnel, um, coaching decisions—it's just been a hot mess all across the board under his watch. And although he's just the um, the mouthpiece, he still has to wear it. You know, I look at him as a guy who. Um, Jalen Hurts has taken a step back. Why? I'm looking at you. Why Jalen Hurts still hasn't um, responded to the blitz? 
Um, why haven't you as a coaching staff responded to the blitz? I don't understand. You you have game plans and you have so much film and you know what's coming, yet you can't come up with a, with a solution. That's been my biggest problem with Nick Sirianni. Um, too many um uh too many Monday morning, Tuesday morning quarterbacking and coaching and not enough um game day decision making. So um I'm looking at Nick Sirianni as a guy who doesn't have the answers. And I think and I and I think when you don't have the answers, you don't deserve to have the job. We know this. I'm, I, we sorry, know this. Bro. No, no, it's all good. No, no, and you know what? I, 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 you know, it's almost like being disappointed. It's like Groundhog Day. But it's being also going like this. No, can't be. No, holy shit, it is. Mm-hmm. The guy is really like you know what? How much of a disappointment at the end of the Wentz story was the Wentz story for Eagle fans? Huge disappointment, um, especially when you um, because went, he took you on these swings, right? Yeah, yeah. He 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 gave you so he gave you moments where you believed. He gave you moments where you turned against him. So it was boy, you had every emotion there. You know, being a Carson Wentz defender or apologist, however you want to describe it. But you, you did know, the right thing because he was playing great early. I felt like he always had it in him. Just needed the right situation and. You know, evidently, it doesn't matter the situation. Carson Wentz is just a guy who just can't get out of his own way right now. Like Nick. Like Nick right now, yeah. Like Nick. So is it an organization? Because I thing? feel, actually, as a matter of fact, I feel like Carson got a bad shake in Indy. He could have he could have bounced back in Indy. He could have. He had 27 touchdowns and seven picks, and he threw 67%, 3,900 yards. He, I thought he had a great year. Indy was his last – <sighs> He was I just, feel like he got, the, I feel like he got a bad shaking in coach def- correctly. I mean, I just I I don't I don't get why. See, and look, you go to Ursay and then you and Tepper. I mean, Frank Wright. Holy cow, man! You couldn't have gone to two bigger idiots. Oh, I, no, you could have went to another one. You could have went to Daniel Snyder. That would have been an even bigger idiot. Yeah. But I mean, you're talking about job. Look, isn't it? It's funny. It's like black coaches in college. They always get the shitty jobs. <laughs> yeah. Know, that's true. Certain guys have to take these jobs with these shitty owners because if you ever notice, the real great jobs don't come open. Mm-hmm. And you don't get to coach the Steelers. You know what I mean? Like the Steeler job never comes open. Oh, I'm glad. Oh, okay. I'm glad you went there. With 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 Rabel being out in Tennessee, with Pete Carroll being out in Seattle, that, that just that completely altered the head coaching market beyond belief because those are two teams we didn't expect. Why did you? So, why do you think they're doing this? Why do what you do you think? Teams? No, I, I want to ask you. What do you think is the I most att- is the most attractive job, um, in the NFL right now? Because there's Seattle, there's Tennessee, there's Atlanta, New England. Um, there's there, there's the Chargers, um, there's uh, the Commanders, the Bucking, um, the the, the, uh, the Patriots. Um, there's about seven. There's going, going, going to be about seven or eight jobs. The, the Carolina job, um, the Raiders job is still technically up in the air. There's about, job. There's, there's about 10 jobs available right now. What do you think is the most attractive situation for a head coach? Okay. We don't know about the Philly job. That's That That might be. We don't know. Okay, That might well, be up in the air, too. So. Ask yourself first the most important thing. Who's the best owner of those guys? Start there. Tone, start with leadership. Mm-hmm. Don't start with the logo. Right. Don't start. Okay, let's take a look at this. Dick Bob Craft's a good guy to work for? Yes. 
Okay. Is Josh Harris? No. Okay. Um, Arthur Blank? That's the Atlanta guy, right? Yep. Yeah, I work for him. I think he'll do whatever it takes. They were almost got Sean, Deshaun Watson if it wasn't for yeah. the extortion bag that was handed in Cleveland. Yeah. Seattle has yeah. great management. Mm-hmm. I like that job. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like the Tennessee job. I don't like it either. Okay, if you can make shitty decisions on the GM, the head coach, and getting rid of A.J. Brown, and you're going to dump Derrick Henry, mm-hmm. I mean, okay, so you're going to start over. Well, you need a very young guy in there. Okay, you need a very young guy. Um, Carolina, I would never take that job. No, I would never take that job. You know, it's not that David Tepper isn't a bad guy to work for. His, he's so a hedge fund guy. I worked on Wall Street. Hedge fund guys, you got to remember. Pers- his perspective is his 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 perspective is day trading um, is skewed. He's approaching his he's approaching his day he's trading. He's not mindset. a long term investment guy. He's a day trader, which means this: he trades daily. Okay, he trades on the stock market daily. Okay, he flip flops in and out of stocks daily. Long term investors, those are guys that put that. You know, a hedge fund is a hundred different stocks in one thing, right. and so he flips in and out of stocks for the hedge fund. You're investing in the hedge. Well, fund. he's in the wrong business because the NFL is a um is a it's is a long term it's a long term investment kind of thing, and he's approaching it with the wrong mindset. Because you have to build core. That's why Howie can't because and again the Eagle job. Do I think the Eagle job is a good job? Yes and no. The Eagle job might be the most complex job if it's ever it, available. That, that's a very good, very good description. It's complex. It's a very because here. Their pitch would be this: Hey, you come here. We've never had a losing coach since the guys owned the team. And it's like you. And also, you say to yourself, "They want to win, but do they really? Like, you don't really like. It's they like they want to win okay, their okay. way. They want, yeah, they want to win, but they want to win their way. And that's the question you have to ask yourself if you're ever thinking about going to that job. Am I willing to concede in some kind of way? Or that's right, Mike. Or you got, or in those conversations, you you ask them, okay, you guys have done it this way for X amount of years. What is it got you? One Super Bowl in thirty years. Don't you think it's time we um shift the narrative? Yeah, yeah. Don't go in there when that interview. No, with- I'm not saying I'm not saying you go in there saying that. Oh, but, 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 but what I'm saying, they'll scorch you. Hey, they'll scorch you. <laughs> they'll on scorch a bus. your dumb ass they'll out. They'll put you on an airplane. They'll put you on a bus. Yeah, they put you on the mega bus, a Greyhound yeah. or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but but um no, but I I I think that's the kind of thinking that needs to go on right now. How 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 have we been doing this for the past 10 years? Let's just say that 10 years. How have we been doing this? We got one Super Bowl in the past 10 years, two appearances in the past 10 years. Which have, is very good. Perspective. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I well, don't know. Compared I, to the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. Again, perspective. So um, compared to anybody else in the NFC East. Yeah. Let me ask you this. If you had to if you had to have a job, would you rather coach? You're gonna be shocked. Would you rather coach the Chargers under that ownership group? Or would you rather take a chance on the Raiders in that ownership group? I don't want any of and and potentially find your quarterback in the draft. I don't like any of those two guys. And no, I'm going to tell you why. I'm at no, but no, but you got to choose though. Okay, you got to pick I one. Worked, I, I covered the Chargers for six years mm-hmm. and I worked for the Raiders. 
Um, I do believe Mark Davis wants to win. Um, I just don't think he's found the right management people to help him and personnel. Remember something. What what turned what turned the tide for the rate? Do you know at one time the Raiders had the highest win percentage of any team in the National Football League? There were a point when they were legendary, and they just kind of just a point where they lost like one game on Monday night, and there was and then what happened? And I had a conversation with Al with this. Al, instead of fighting games on the field, started fighting the NFL in the courtroom. Mm. And once he went to the courtroom, it changed the narrative of the Eagles, or it changed the narrative of the Raiders, right? Either going to Hollywood Park, going to Vegas, going to Oakland, Los Angeles. Th- that whole circus took its toll on the franchise, and it wobbled. And I thought Al spent too much time, and I've talked to Amy Trask about this, in the courtroom, and it affected them. They took a shitty deal in Oakland to go back. It was a terrible deal. And I just think Mark is trying to search I have Mark. I I I've, I talk to him occasionally, and I've known him a long time. I just think that he's a young owner. He's trying to find his way. Yeah. But he needs his dad had Ken Herrick. Would Ron you would Wolf. you would you frame it Would you frame it like this? A guy who wants to win, but he just doesn't know what he's doing. Like he wants he's he's well intentioned. Is what I'm saying. He's well intentioned. He's trying to be his dad. He's well intentioned, but he just doesn't know what he's doing. It's like the Steinbrenners trying to be. George, instead of carving out his own lane, yeah. he's, he's trying to follow the, uh, an old yeah. blueprint. To follow the, you know, he's trying to follow the legacy of the, the father. Like, look at the Bus family. Mm. You, you, you think Jeannie and the brother are anything near Jerry Bus? No, no. I mean, Jeannie's Jeannie's trying, but it, but, but look at it. I mean, you know, when the Lakers under Jerry Bus, you had Jerry West, you you had Mitch Kupchak. Those guys were legendary you know, talent you know, evaluators. You know, you know what happened? I think um, from going from Jerry to the kids, it became too many voices. Completely. And that's in, and that's where it normally goes wrong, when you have too many opinions. Look what you did to Kobe in the end. You had, you had the worst losing years since they moved from Minneapolis in his last two years. It was, it was, it was, it was bad. It was rough. For, for Kobe to go out like that was atrocious. So, and the Spanos family, you know – the Spanos family, do you know they're the only football team in the NFL that doesn't own their own building or have a half of a percentage? They pay a dollar a year to stay in Kroenke and rent. And Kroenke gets all the benefits and parking and concessions for the uh, SoFi Stadium. So they're kind of renters. Dude, they don't even own their own building. And you're, you, you, you sit there and you're like, okay, well, they can't even make that decision. They moved the team just to increase the value of the team, which is a smart move. But it was you should have stayed in San Diego. On top of that, what have you done with Philip Rivers and Justin Herbert? I mean, do you understand they went to a Super Bowl with a guy named Stan Humphreys? Okay, I mean, you've got two guys that are probably going to – I mean, Herbert's got Hall of Fame talent. Rivers is going to be debated on a Hall of Fame career. And you did nothing with those guys because why? You put too much ownership in management and you allowed management. Now they fired management. Are they? I think the Spanos family's changing. Mm. And I'll tell you why. I think a lot of these organizations are completely cleaning house. A lot of them are, right? It seems like a lot of them are just 
because I think they're trying to attract Jim Harbaugh. Ah, uh, interesting. You think a lot of those teams are really? Oh yes. Okay. Or Vrabel. Vrabel's gonna want control, and I, I okay, let's... have no problem. Okay, okay, let's stay there, right? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card. Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We know we talked about the jobs, right? Let's talk about the candidates. You got Vrabel out there. You got Harbaugh potentially out there. You got Ben Johnson potentially out there. You got uh, Wilkes out there. You got um, Belichick Tomlin? potentially out there. Um, I, I don't think Tomlin's going anywhere. I'll tell you what, here, here, here. I don't here. think he is. Okay, well, let me ask you this. In the next five years, you see the Steelers in the Super Bowl? Based, I'm glad you said that. Based off of what he's been able to achieve up to a point, I feel like they need a quarterback. Now, the, the, the real question is, can they? will they have a quarterback in that time that can give you that feeling of, they okay. They just missed on Pickett. And they missed on, they, I think they just missed on Pickett. I firmly believe. That the Buccaneers, I mean, I firmly believe the Steelers are a quarterback away from being a, th- a threat in their division okay. and in their conference. I believe that. So they, know, they, I do too. Yeah. I think they got to get the see. To me, if I'm the Steelers and I want to keep Mike Tomlin, I make a trade for Russell Wilson. They made the playoffs in that conference in that division with no quarterback. You, I would, you, I would make a trade for Russell Wilson. We talked. Rob brought that up earlier, and oh, I said, okay. and, and 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 I and I said. Is that in the Rooney's nature to take on a, a, a contract like that? And you want and to keep the, Tomlin? That's a good because point. Because Tomlin could just go like this. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna go where I am with Mason Rudolph and with Mitch Trubisky and with all these other guys. How involved is Tomlin in the front office decisions, as far as like personnel, quarterback? Well, how? Because I, I feel like he they do work with him. Yeah, I feel like they work with him, but I also feel like he lets them do their job. They do. He does. Okay. I got a bunch of I got a bunch of friends in that organization. Carl Dunbar, the D-line coach, and Alfredo Roberts, a tight end coach who I played with at Miami. And I talked to him. Alfredo's a dear friend of mine. And he doesn't think Tomlin's going anywhere either. Yeah, I don't think so. If he does, he thinks Tomlin would take they the need year him. off they, and go into TV. They need him. Think about it. They need him. I and think he, personally, if Mike Tomlin decided to go into TV. He'd be the next John Madden. He'd have a lot of quotables. He'd have a lot of them. A lot of. I but think also, he would be the next John Madden. I think he loves the game. You imagine him. You imagine him talking the way he does about never letting go of the rope and talking <laughs> like that on TV and how quick witted he is. He's a quick witted guy, man. I think yeah, he, he would be spectacular in the booth. But you that's put what, him with somebody, man. 
it sets him up and tees him up. He, he, I think he would be the next John Madden. But for all those reasons you said, I feel like all those traits make him a great head coach. I just, I just can't imagine him leaving. I can't imagine imagine him coaching anywhere else. He's still a very young guy too. How old is Tomlin? Fifty, fifty something. Like, I, I gotta find out now. Isn't that crazy though, Tone? That's that I keep. He's fifty one. Oh shit! He's got another. He's not gonna. Years. He can coach for another fifteen years if he wanted to. Easily twenty. You know Shit, what I mean? These coaches are going to their separate. Andy Reid, sixty-six right now. So I like I like at Mike Tomlin as a guy who knows how to win. He just needs a quarterback. He knows what to do. He's managed to get this team to the playoffs or at least a nine and eight or nine and seven, however the record lines up. He, he's he's managed to keep them in the mix for a playoff spot every single year in that conference in that division. Give him a quarterback. I bet you they're competing for an AFC title. Let me tell you this, and people completely disagree because it's taking a shit on the one guy out the door, and I personally think that the New England job is the best job because of Bob Kraft. I think Bob Kraft would bring a guy in and give him all the things he needed to be successful in winning, and Mm -hmm. Bob has a formula for winning. Remember, he won before right. Belichick got there. And also the Parcells New England job. There. Also, I think the New England job has a has a bad stigma on it. When in reality, I think that that job might be the most attractive for everything you mentioned, right? You know, when people think of New England, they think of Tom Brady, they think of Belichick, right? But if you're taking that job, all their philosophies and everything like that go with them. You have an opportunity to set a new way, a new See, patriot to me, way. There's only one guy that would be the guy that could go up there. And Rainbow. do that job. Rainbow. It's Harbaugh. And I'll tell really? you, you think, why. You think Harbaugh fits better in, in New England than, than, than any Rainbow? other place? And I'll tell you why. Okay. You're replacing a legend. And when you're replacing a legend, when Jimmy Johnson replaced Tom Landry, you weren't just going to put some nobody guy in there mm-hmm. and replace Tom Landry. You had to have a guy that had some type of success. And Jimmy walked in there and replaced, you know, Jimmy Johnson just didn't replace Tom Landry. He replaced Don Shula. Right. I in mean, Miami, right? Yeah, you 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 have to have somebody in the building that people are going to automatically. And by the way, Jim Harbaugh has success in the NFL. So what they would do now, and he is a guy that is a Bill Belichick kind of knockoff. He wants control. He wants autonomy. He wants control of the personnel. They're going to give it to him because that's how Kraft runs his organization. Other places. Like Jim Harbaugh would be horrible in Philly. Jim Harbaugh would be horrible in Carolina. Okay, he would so be horrible. So let me in ask Tennessee. So let me ask you this then, right? Because although, because I want to bring it full circle to the Eagles, and I'm glad you said what you said. I don't think Harbaugh would fit in Philadelphia either because of the because of their front office dynamic and ownership. But that begs the question: Is it possible for them to bring in anybody with some kind of credibility and still, I guess, do things the way they've done them? Is it possible for them to bring in anybody with kind of any kind of credibility, knowing what we know now? Think of a coach. You need to think of somebody like 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 um, like McVeigh. Somebody like that that works with Les Need, Kevin Damoff, trust them, and then get this. Remember something. 
Um, McVeigh didn't hire Wade Phillips, but he recommended him. Mm. Okay. And Kyle Shanahan runs the offense. D'Amico Ryans and Steve Wilkes run the defense. He's got to have say so that he doesn't feel threatened that that side of the football is being. See, what you here's what you have, Tone. And I, I didn't realize it until right now. The Eagles only give credence and only give accountability to the offensive side of the ball. Financially, coaching-wise, their only priorities are offensive side. Because if you think about it, their defensive side is sporadically touched with a few draft choices and no money and very little draft choices. And they really don't have that side of the ball as a priority. Their priority is completely on offense. Coaching-wise, money-wise, scheme-wise, the entire system over there on that side of the ball has to be revamped every other year. And that's why the Jim Kerr or the Jeff Kerr comment that said that they can't sustain stability on that side of the ball, it directly goes to the exactly what I'm saying. The number one priority in Philly is on the offensive side of the football. And, and get this, in, in Los, Los Angeles, Sean McVay has Raheem Morris. Take care of it. It's yours. Go ahead. If something happens, he's going to step in and say something with the higher ups. But he leaves these guys alone. But he feels comfortable and trusts him because he made that hire. So you have to have – they've got – hey, for the Eagles to maintain and try to maintain success, they've got to give a little bit more, man. they got to give a little more. Listen, you got to give a little to get a little, right? If and you want a really good coach, Tone, you, you can't control a little. Yeah, exactly. And do you, now, do you think – I'm glad you said that specifically. you got to give a little. Is Howie Roseman capable of giving little, in your opinion? If Jeffrey brings if the hammer down by the Bucks, that's that's going to it, it won't wobble Jeffrey Laurie, but what he will see, he'll see a company that there was no reason for the stock to go down. Because because listen to this, right? We're, we're we're covering this week in and week out, day in and day out. They listen, they listen, they hear everybody talking. Best believe they know the narratives that are being spun right now. They're gonna, they're gonna, and they have a PR department for a reason. All this that we're talking about, they're gonna come up in those meetings. Watch, they will. Oh, I, I, I know, and, and I, and I know they watch this. That leads me to this final topic here for you. You think they've changed their opinion on Hertz? Now, and, and, and what I mean by that is. Or do you think they're going to reserve? Because, look, we mentioned it yesterday. Mm -hmm. Well, shit, the narrative on Lamar Jackson changed in one year. Why wouldn't it change in Philly in one year? I mean, you'd only be an idiot to go. I still think of him as the same way in 2022 mm -hmm. as I do in 2023 right now. I mean, you'd be crazy to think that. You didn't think that way about Wentz. You changed your narrative on him in three years. Completely changed it. So they have shown that they have changed their opinion on a guy mm -hmm. in the past, and everyone else has when it comes to player performance. It took them – remember what you said, though. It took them three years to change their opinion on him, though. Because remember, they paid him even after the injuries. So, Oh, so took, you think they're going to give Jalen Hurts more time to turn himself around than they gave once? 
No, no, no. What I'm oh. saying is, no, no, what I'm saying is, I'm saying Wentz. <laughs> what I'm saying is, I'm, I'm, I'm saying Wentz got paid. Remember, he didn't get paid in 2017 or 20. He, I think he got the contract in 2019, right? So in paying him, they're signifying their faith in his in this guy turning around. They paid him like two years later, you know? Um, and they ended up trading him with that contract and they had to sit the cap hit. But my point is overall, though, when Wentz went through his struggles, they still ended up paying him, even after the 2018 season. Remember, he came back late. He didn't, and then he couldn't finish the season. Nick Foles That's takes crazy. you to Nick Foles, Nick, Nick Foles takes you to the playoffs again, loses in the divisional round to the Saints. They still paid Wentz after that fact. So they clearly gave him the latitude to figure it out. I think Jalen Hurts experiencing this rough patch in his this rough patch in his career. I think they haven't fully jumped ship on both. They can't. They what I would him. say is this: they made a mistake in not franchise tagging that guy. You can make yeah. You can you can from a pure. I think they should have franchise tag Hurts. And this is the, and this is and, and this is the part of the conversation where Eagles fans get sensitive. Yo, yeah, because, I, I think they should have franchise tagged Hurts. Because remember, um, this year is the last year of his rookie deal. So the new contract kicks in in March. It, so what they should have based on what you said, um, they would have they would have had the franchise tag him sometime this year so okay. they can have him the following season. Um I'd have franchise tagged him. Why well, he did Dak three years or two years, whatever it was. Right, right. I mean, you bring up a you bring up an interesting point, right? Why why did they feel the need that they had to pay him outright so so quickly? Why? That's a I mean, it's a fair question because what did he show you that you have? If you seen gave him? me two great years, it's justified. If you give me three different years, it's not. And I see when you say three and again, different years, it's a, Tone, watch this. It's not all on him. It's the culture. It's the changing of the coordinators. You had so many dynamics change around him. You had more dynamics change around him in 23 right. than any time I'll, in his career since he had to I'll, transfer. I'll put it to you this way. I felt like more changes have happened around him than with him. You know, Completely. in my opinion, in my opinion um, I don't look at it as three different years. I look at it as you gave, he got his first start in 2021. He shows you a baseline of what he is. 2022 he improves so i look at that as an i look at that as point a to point b an arc a growth right i don't look i don't look at jalen hurts as a bar graph i look at him as a line graph right so he came in 2021 okay this is what he is 2022 he goes up 2023 he takes a little step back with the turnovers everything else is still on par completion percentage is the same a little bit more yards a little bit more touchdowns um team is in the playoffs the turnovers are where the step back come in. Okay, and okay, that's all, it, it, it is a huge, it is a huge that's blemish. All great, but don't you think that if you franchise tagged the kid, you could have spent some of that money on TJ, CJ? You mm -hmm. could have done more things with the money instead of having to sit there, Rob Peter, to pay Paul when March seventeenth hits and that fifty kicks in. You had him on a franchise, and mm -hmm. guess what? People would be bitching. You should have paid him this and that. Hey, fuck that noise. I don't care. I'm talking about building a roster here. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about making a guy feel better about himself. It's about winning a football game and being a football team that builds stability. 
there lies the difference right there because, in my opinion, he gutted the defense because of the contract that he paid Hurts when it kicks in for the new calendar year. And that's why that football team on that side has trash cans at almost every position and old dudes. And that's what they did. They neglected it's, it's, that it's side a fair assessment. of the ball. It, no, it's a it, it's a fair assessment. You know, I, I, w- I wouldn't disagree with you pretty much at all. They they did neglect that side of the ball and heading into the 2023 season. Um, you know, there's a narrative out there like, you know, you have to pay these guys, right? You have to pay them. You got to pay them. And, yeah, that's that's true to a point. At the end of the day, no one has to make you do anything. When I have the and, leverage, I don't have to pay you anything. Right. And then that begs the question, who at that time had the most leverage, the organization or the player? Organization, they have the tag. You can't do anything. You want to hold out? Go ahead. Guess what? You don't get – your calendar doesn't start because you hold out. Mm-hmm. Your calendar starts when you're active. So right. they can sit there and hold your ass out. And by the way, when's the last guy you ever seen NFL quarterback hold out, even with a tag or even with a new contract? When's the last quarterback hold point. out? I'm not even sure. I can't, I can't even think back. I don't know. Okay, I don't that's know. right. Because you know why? The tag's like, what, 30? Yeah, he's just so like reg- so he went from yeah. one five to thirty. Gee, okay. No, no, I hear you. No, I hear you. So I mean, I mean, it's a, it's, it's definitely something. I, I mean, at this point, was done is done, but it's definitely something you know to look back on and, I and, said and, from and wonder. Day one, though, and wonder if, if they jumped the gun. It's, I, mean, I I said from day one when they gave him that money after seventeen great games. I said, "Are you sure?" And if you remember some of the topics I had at the beginning of the year, I went, "Do you think they jumped the gun?" And gave him the money too soon. No, I don't. Okay. Well, when you had the ability to franchise, I and, and I think this goes back to your conversation, like you said. I think this is interesting because no one talks about the Eagles missing on the franchise tag with the kid. Think about what you could have did with that tag for at least maybe even a year. You could have re-signed TJ. You could have put some more money on that side. Now, to what you said to me two days ago, Sills, do you think they would have put that money on that side of the ball anyway? That is the million-dollar question as well. Would they have spent that money? Right. Would they? And, and, and quite frankly, the Bradbury thing didn't pan out. Um, the slay money, not hard. And, and Oscar, let me ask you this, right? Here, here's another thing, too, that gets tricky for these, you know, for these uh, ownership groups, right? They look at you know they look at it as projecting because when they when they signed up to that contract, they saw the growth from year one to year two and they fell in love with it and I, and I completely understand that right. So they looked at it as okay if he's on this trajectory, this price tag can only go up from here. Let's buy it, for the market, buy low. It's probably what and, they did, and that's probably what they were. That's probably how they thought about it. They looked at it as the price tag is going to become. Something that we really don't want to pay. Because if he puts a 22 season with 23 on a tag, they'd have to pay him 60. It it would have got out of hand. So I think they looked at it as let's bank on, let's bank on the uh, the growth that we already saw and and get get the contract as team friendly as possible. You're not, you're not evaluating the player on production. You're evaluating the player like you did with Wentz on potential potential growth Mm -hmm. instead of what a play. I mean, and then get this, here's what made that here's maybe what have made it even more sense. Okay. 
you pay him. Well, shit, Tone. Go get me Todd Munkin. Why? I think I think those I think there that's where the the missteps happen. Not I don't even think what I don't, I don't even think Hertz's contract is their biggest it's mistake. It's not, but when you put I think the I think I think the mistake is the coaches. That's the but mistakes. Wait, but wait, when you put the inexperienced coach and the money together, it doesn't exactly it, the it, it, it makes no sense when you exactly that's you're how, absolutely right. When you invest something like that into a person. You have to make sure you create the ecosystem for that investment to, you know, pr you know, pr provide a return. And when you put inexperienced people around your young quarterback, who's, in all fairness, still is relatively a project, you're kind of burning you. You're pissing on your you're pissing on your money. You know what I'm saying? Why would so, you have a fifty million dollar quarterback and a five dollar coordinator? Exactly. Exactly. You you put you put fifty million dollars to a player. But you surround him with the, with the with the least experienced teachers. A doorman makes no sense. Makes no sense to me. Makes no sense. See, and then that affects the money. Look, that's it when you go it affects, like this. It affects how you look at the money. It and and it it affects the quarterback. It affects and the remember, player. Tone in the NFL, you start always with the money, and then you go to the quarterback. It's money, quarterback, and balancing a salary cap. You got to balance a salary cap. That's why. The one thing that the Patriots always were classic at, and I always said this about them, they made the tough moves and the tough cuts, got rid of guys like Richard Seymour, like Darrell Revis, got rid of Moss, got rid of all those guys, and it produced six Super Bowls because they could have a balanced salary cap. They never were without a balanced salary cap until the last five, really the last three years of Brady's run. And then now it's been affected because they don't have the quarterback play. I mean, the whole thing plays a factor now. Yeah, it all it all matters. Money. Yeah, it all matters. But here's the here's but the that's thing. That's Howie. You know, we we all you know. I, I I hate to focus on the things that we can't change, right? I want to focus on the on, on the prospects of the things that could possibly but change. They, but they they're they're practicing the same philosophy they did with Wentz. They rushed the gun. They could have franchise tagged Wentz a couple times too. Well, here's the luxury they had with Wentz. They had and he was uh, hurt. They had the fifth year option. They had the luxury of waiting. They didn't. So they had a fifth year option and they had the tag, and they're paying him coming off of a knee injury and coming off of a bad coming off of a season where Foles finished it again. I would have never given that guy. You know what a that deal. you know what it, you know what it proves, if anything? It proves that Howie Roseman is watching how the money moves rather than right. rather than how the talent moves. And that's why the defense is in the shape it's in. Because he cares more about making sure the money makes sense rather than if the whole rather than if the decision itself makes sense. And the priorities on offense, because that's what the owner wants. Bada bing, bada boom. And you look at it and you look over on the other side of the football and you go like this. Okay, well, what will change this offseason? Okay. I mean, do you understand you're going to have to change that entire football team out, that defense? Oh, I, I, I think people are underestimating what the overhaul this defense needs. This defense is going to have to get gutted. percent of that defense has to be changed. Completely. Completely. You know, and, you know, just, you know, for the record, you know, for the record, I don't have a problem with her getting paid. You know, like, you know, it, 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 it is I what it is. Soon. Um, 
I mean, I think that's a I think that's a fair statement. I don't think I don't think that's a far fetched or a blasphemous thing to even consider. They waited um, on Lamar. Oh yeah, I, I understand. I understand. You know, again, I don't think I don't think you're is blasphemous for you to even have that opinion. I think it's a fair opinion. Um, you know, me me ultimately, you know, I roll with it because you know I'm ultimately a fan too. So, you but know, I, 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 I roll hey, with it. Me, I want to see consistent play for a couple years before I'm going to sit there and make an assessment on whether my manager or my coach or my quarterback is truly going to be able to win me a Super Bowl. And on top of that, if I'm the owner, I've got to look at the people surrounding him and what they're surrounding him with. This is a failure by the owner also not to have quality people that will put quality people in positions of success. Dude, the Baltimore Ravens are a superior franchise to the Philadelphia Eagles because why? When in doubt, that owner those general managers, Eric DaCosta and Ozzy, are going to put the most qualified people in the building. They weren't going to go through a shit show like they did last year. Number one seed in the AFC, quarterbacks and MVP, and they're going to make a run at a Super Bowl. Mm. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I look at the Philadelphia Eagles as a team where, at this point, in my humble opinion, where they can salvage any of this, they had to do what they they, they had to do what they didn't do for once. And that's make every decision with him in mind. They had the, they 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 had they had when it comes to Jalen Hurts, they had to make every decision with him in mind. Firing Doug was not in the best interest of Wentz. You know, there was a lot of the, you know there, there were rumors that Wentz and and I don't know how true they are. Just want to make that clear. But you know, there were rumors that Wentz and Doug, you know, were. You know, you know, they they had division or so so on and so I'm, forth. I'm I'm sure at the end everyone was bitching. Right, right, and you know during times like that, everybody yeah. has a problem with everybody. Everyone's looking for a life preserver at the end. Exactly. So that was just a rough situation, you know, in totality. Um, do you now think we're, people are looking for life preservers now? No, because here's the difference. There's a lot of guys who has their who who got their money. And they're secure. So I don't from a from a player standpoint, no. From maybe a coaching standpoint, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Why are the coaches more worried than the players? That's a problem for me. Every player should fear for his job every day he goes to work. What do you no, think? I understand, what you're I understand what you're saying. I'm just I'm I'm just trying to answer your question the best way I know how. I got and, it. You know, ultimately, I just feel like when we look at this team, I think way, that, I'm not attacking you. Man. No, 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 no. I know you're not. I know you're not. Because like I'm, I, I actively think about all this stuff, right? You know, I'm not someone who's married to my opinions. Um, if someone has said something that's that piques my, that piques my, you know, my my fancy, I'll say, oh, that's interesting. Let me consider that. Smartest thing you can you know do. What I'm saying? Smartest you know, thing you can do. I learned, I learned that pretty early. Um, yep. not to marry myself to my opinions. That's how you yep. get in trouble. Yep. So, um, yeah. Ultimately, I ultimately I think. And we, and we could we could close it out on this note because I, I know we got Fars in a couple minutes. Um, every decision they make, every oh, decision I'm going to ask him about that franchise has to, has to has to be held with Jalen Hurts in mind, and I'll leave it at that. Jalen Hurts has to be number priority number one. Do you think Monday's game matters at all in any way? Yes. How the reshaping how the reshaping of the uh, team will be in the offseason? 
Like, if they get to an NFC title game, do you think that that will kind of, like, slow them up on changing direction? Hmm. That's a good question. I don't know. That's a good question, Sills. Ask. Monday means a lot. Monday means a lot because I think it determines who stays and who goes. That's what I think. I think it, I think it's important for that simple reason. You don't think that's it, that writing's on the wall? No, yeah, no, yeah, for sure. I think I think I think Nick Sirianni's coach. Oh, so you think that may expedite it more? I think Nick Sirianni's coaching for his job on Monday. Remember what I told you yesterday, though. Mm-hmm. Remember what I told you yesterday. If they fire Nick Sirianni, that is the beginning of the end of Howie. Because we, we talked about this. Because that's his safety net. What, what GM have we seen survive three or four or five different head coaches? We, who have we seen it? It's, we've never seen it before. So he'll be reaching um, dangerous territory if Nick Sirianni goes. It's a possibility. It's something to consider. It's something to consider. So you think this game on Monday has has it it, it could expedite decision making? How about this? Mm-hmm. Do you think the Monday game has more to do with the involvement of the owner than the more yes. with the involvement of the GM? Do I think the Monday game has I mean, more to do with the game on Monday is a disaster? Right. If it's a, if it's a, if it's a disaster, the owner steps in. Correct. If the game is competitive, they win or they barely lose. Is it still the GM's call? I or think I put it. I put, put it to you this way. I think the owner steps in regardless because they shouldn't even be in this situation. That's how I look at it. I think but he the steps owner in regardless. Stepped in. He stepped in and can't decide. I think that one was more Howie, but I feel you though. You think how Roseman's firing coordinators without telling? I think, no, I'm not saying I'm not saying he's not telling them, but I think that was I think that that decision was Howie Roseman motivated. That's what I think. Listen, man, this is like the days of our lives. You know what I mean? We, you know, we gotta. No, it, no, no. This is like the clue. days of our find lives. A killer. This is the, the days of our lives. I like that. This is a general ho- general hospital. <laughs> Tell Farzi to reconnect here. There you go. There he is. We got him back. I'll, I'll tell you, wait, before before I go to Farzi here, listen to this. I've heard a guy that's absolutely fed up with bullshit, too. You should you should see his face in the postgame now. This guy's on rants now. Mark Farzetta's on rants. This is bullshit. This thing sucks. This is no – spoken like an old-school Philadelphia sports guy. Not some of the not, – not one of these questions. So, Nick, how is, how is all of this taking its toll on you? I heard a morning guy ask Nick Sirianni, hey, Nick, how is all of this taking its toll on you? Hey, dude, I don't give a fuck how Nick Sirianni feels. Win a game. (laughs) How do you feel, Nick? Are you okay? I was like, that's sports talk in Philly? Then you turn on Farzetta. This sucks. No good. Everybody should be held accountable. (laughs) Oh, man, let's bring let, 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 let's let's bring in the espresso king and get the espresso king. Uh, just say, yeah, there you go. Oh my god, I love you, man. That was a fresh one. That was a fresh. I woke up from my siesta. 
about an hour ago. You know what I'm saying? I have a nice little siesta in the middle of the day. And then uh, I have an espresso and boom, back to business, baby. You better send that to a couple guys over at IP for asking how a coach is feeling through things. Hey, can I, else- real quick on that, that has become a theme, Sills. That's become a theme. Like I, I have heard a number of reporters, even during the press conference, be like, so, so Nick, how are you holding up, man? Like, I'm... I, this isn't good, but I feel great. Mark, what I know you, why you say? guys aren't doing like you and Angelo and Mike and all the. I mean, I mean, now you've got psychologists doing sports talk, right? Hey, how are you, how is everything working? I don't give a shit how you're feeling. Win a game. <laughs> Make a call. Stop giving me bullshit press conferences on Wednesdays and excuses for failure. Kumbayas. Oh, uh, yeah. What is? I thought this is Philly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, but I Philly. Heard on Sunday, I heard you go. This is pathetic. So I'm with you now. That's why I mean, <laughs> I heard you. I think I've I've ended the last two post game shows. I think in my closing argument has yeah. been some kind of uh, rant, and then followed by this team sucks. I feel like that has been. <laughs> it's like it's not. You don't need a doctorate. You don't. You don't need to have a doctorate to point that out. I don't need you to give me. My, I don't need to give a thesis statement on that. You did. Boom. That's all you need. Absolutely. All right, let me ask you this now. Do you think the opinion on Jalen Hurts and that organization has changed? And I'm going to make it as vague as possible. I'm not talking about his ability. Maybe I am. I'm maybe not talking about his leadership. Maybe I am. Um, Do you think it's changed? Because here, I go here. The narrative on Lamar Jackson last year was Lamar Jackson gets hurt all the time. He, you know, he doesn't look like that leader. Looks like he kind of folded his tent, didn't want to play for his team. All of a sudden, now they're the number one seed and he's the MVP. Narrative changed. Lamar's better than Jalen this year. Okay. Do you think that that organization, or do you think it's still a wait and see in that Tampa game has a lot to do with the evaluation of a lot of people? And I just said this to, um, to Tone. If they get killed... Is it an owner's? Is it an owner's call? And if they competitive, is it a GM's call on what they're going to do in the offseason, in the upcoming season? I think, regardless, for the Philadelphia Eagles, it's Jeffrey Lurie's call. And I know a lot of people will look at Howie Roseman and they'll say, well, "Howie does this, Howie does that." I feel like in the last five, six years, really, ever since Chip Kelly, uh, Jeffrey Lurie has had this type of opinion that he needs to be more hands-on because Chip did the thing that you just can't do. You can't make an owner feels like he doesn't own what is going on in his own building and he doesn't own his team. And ever since then, Jeffrey Lurie has been much more of a meddler. He's been a lot more involved. He's been a lot more hands-on. And I think he trusts Howie beyond the shadow of a doubt. But when it comes to making a head coaching change, even if Howie says, Perhaps one more year. I think Jeffrey Lurie will either just be fed up or agree with him that maybe you give Nick Sirianni one more year. But the thing you got to keep in mind about Howie Roseman, it really is incredible. Think about his whole trajectory, okay? You, we all know about you know the, the intern and the, the cap department under Joe Banner and all that stuff. But this is a guy that was sent away to the proverbial janitor's closet and then came back and then within two years won a Super Bowl. Like, that is unheard of. And then... A couple years later, you're back in a Super Bowl with a different head coach and a different quarterback. 
So I think Jeffrey Lurie looks at Howie Roseman and trusts him implicitly when it comes to making decisions for this franchise. But when it comes for the overall grand scheme of things, I think that's going to come down to Jeffrey Lurie, his analytic department, and then Howie Roseman. Because I think Jeffrey Lurie has gotten his hands on this uh, this team in terms of the inner workings more so than he ever has. So you give the book we're more credit than the coach, Doug Peterson, for that 17 Super Bowl? Um, mm, uh, Howie Roseman? He, yeah, okay. He, he assembled one of the deepest rosters, if not the deepest roster in the history of the NFL. One of the that only ones. That, team? The, the 17 team that won. You won with a backup quarterback. Jason Peters goes down. Darren Sproles goes down this season. You won with a very, very deep team. But Doug Peterson a very was a well coach team and a very well coached team. And Doug Peterson was the guy behind the scenes pushing those buttons for that team. And he had a good staff. I know everyone rips on Jeff Schwartz, uh, Jim Schwartz for what he did in the Super Bowl. He was pretty damn good that entire season. And I remember even when Carson Wentz went down, I was one of maybe four people that said, hold on a second. All Nick Foles has to do is not turn the ball over. That's it. And this defense, which at the time was one of the best defenses in the NFL, you could ride that to get to at least get to the Super Bowl. It turns out they won it by some amazing act of God. Well, they hey, won Mark, it. By the way, today Jim Schwartz was named the NFL assistant coach of the year. So go ahead. was he really good yeah. for him? Good for him in that defense there in, uh, in Cleveland. That's great to see. Um, so yeah, I, I think Howie Rosen did a phenomenal job with that, but it was the perfect storm. Like, if you were to tell me that the Eagles were finally going to win a Super Bowl, there's no way I would say it would be because of a deep team and because of well, you know, a, you know, picks pickups during the regular season, like bringing in a guy like Jay Ajayi during the season, getting a um a power running back like, like, like Garrett Blunt before the year. I didn't think all that was going to come together. And sure enough, it did. I would think it was going to be because of a franchise quarterback like Carson Wentz at the time plowing through and making things happen. But it happened in a completely different way. And then to be back there five years later with a different head coach and quarterback is astounding. But I think as, like I said, as time has gone on, Jeffrey Lurie has kind of trusted his own instincts over everybody else. But I think Howie and Doug, and obviously the players in that room assembled by Howie, did a phenomenal job of all working as one for the common goal, which was to give this city a, a parade, finally, courtesy of the Eagles. I'm going to ask you a question that doesn't get brought up. You know, first, and I'm, 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 Your Honor, I'm going to ask a leading question, so I want <laughs> it to be known here that Cilio is going to ask a leading question. Um, do you think they paid Jalen Hurts too soon? No, I think they paid him when they had to pay him. I just think that's how it is. Franchise him. Yeah, I'm sorry. Why didn't you franchise him? Because you want to show that you can have a um, a quarterback that is going to grow into the contract. And people always throw out the 250 million dollar deal. You don't show confidence in anybody by franchising. But I know they, they took a different route in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson, and that's obviously paid off. And but, Dak. Yeah, and Dak. But when you look at the Eagles, I think they wanted to invest in some stability. After the, I guess, shell shock of the whole Carson Wentz experience. Well, then why would you hire an inexperienced coordinator? Oh, no, this doesn't make sense. If you're looking for this to add up to something that makes yeah, sense, I'm though, trying, I'm trying I can't to do that for you. I How can't do that. This, Mark, okay, okay, if we're going to go down that route and you're not going to, because I think that money now, because the money and the inexperience affects the defensive side of the ball because you gutted that side. Yep. Knowing March 17th when the new calendar year kicks in, you got to start paying that guy. And you got trash cans on that side of the football, except for two dudes in the D tackle position and Hassan 
maybe sweat the rest of them, 85% of that defense has to be replaced. And you're yeah. sitting there going like this. Okay, well, all right, if I'm going to invest $50 million and $250 in a guy, I'm going to get Todd Munkin. I'm going to bring the best coordinator I can find to help this kid grow because I want to. I, that's my biggest investment. Mm-hmm. Instead, what they did was they gave him the money and they gave him. I don't know if Brian Johnson's good or not. I just know he's not experienced. And then you send him to go out there and go well like this. And then on top of that, go throw. And he's been named the NFL's quarterback that had to throw the toughest passes in the season. So he had to throw the toughest passes with the least experienced guy. I mean, none of it makes sense. Yeah, that's why the Eagles ended up losing, you know, what, five of the last five six games? Six, three and five <laughs> since the bye. What the? I, I, I went through it. my own stupid questions. No, well, I it I can't answer a question for you that doesn't make sense. The Eagles are the only ones that think it makes sense because that's what they decided to do. At the time, and I know I've talked about this a bunch before with you, people are talking about how Brian Johnson has known Jalen Hurts since he was four years old. Why do I care about that? If anything, <laughs> that's a detraction. I don't like the fact that he's that comfortable with the quarterback because you need somebody that even if he says he likes being coached hard, you got to coach him hard. And even though you probably because you have known him for so long, it might come on you know, deaf ears when you try to send a message strong. And Nick Sirianni might try to do it, but it does. It hasn't been achieved this year. And I have absolutely, without question, seen that regression. Now, to go back to the contract for a second, it's one hundred and fifty million dollars for three years. It so is. they were they were smart enough to There's give themselves that out plus the cap. Right, right. So they're still smart enough to make sure they had that out. But at the time. They wanted to show that they had confidence in the guy that they drafted in the second round right after they had guaranteed, what was it, $65 million to Carson Wentz on that mega huge Kajunga deal that they just signed him to. So they wanted to make sure, all right, look, we drafted him at this spot. It might have disrupted things, but we know this is the guy. I think the opinion hasn't changed in terms of long term, but right now they're sweating it out. I mean, how could you not be? You see the throws he's making, the decisions he's making on the field. I know he's coached for the splash plays, and we've talked about this before, where he is not exact, he's not a check down Charlie type of guy. He's the guy that goes for the big play, the splash play. But if you're doing that, then you put yourself at risk of doing one of the two things that the Eagles really try to go after during games. They always try to go after the splash play, and they always try to avoid turnovers and win that turnover battle. So if you're going for the splash play, i.e. 8-15 left in the fourth quarter of the Seattle game, when you're up four points, there's no reason to go for the splash play downfield to Quez Watkins that ended up being an interception. But that's what he's coached to do. That is now what is ingrained in him for this season. That's a mistake. The Eagles know how much the coaches have their influence on Jalen Hurts. And I know he'll improvise from time to time, as A.J. Brown put it, and he'll check down at the line and change the play, and that's fine. That's what a quarterback should do. But what he's coached to do, I believe, has been the wrong thing throughout this season. And now you're seeing, really not now, but throughout this season, you have seen that regression. Uh, To go to the last six games of the season, real quick, do you know how close, Dan, I was going through this, how close the Eagles were to being a 7-10 and team? To being a 6-11 and team? No. See if I can pull this up right quick for you. This is, I, I I had to go back and watch some film. And, and make sure I was doing this in somewhat of a fair way. All right. So I thought I was the only nerd. No, 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 no. I, oh, are you kidding me? I'm a huge That's nerd. Great. Come on now. Good for you. Oh, uh, where the hell do I have this? I thought I had it in my notes right here. Anyway, here's what I got for you. Uh, 
Buffalo is one game you could look at that could have easily been a loss for the Eagles, not just because it went into overtime. You needed a 59-yard field goal, and if you remember in that game, Gabe Davis in overtime broke the wrong way when they got first possession. He broke to the outside. The route was supposed to be to the inside. If he does that, it's a touchdown, walk-off touchdown in overtime. The other game you could look at, Reed Blankenship's forearm, week four, Terry McLaurin, Washington. If that forearm isn't just under his foot, he comes down inbounds. They continue that drive. Washington probably wins that game. You look at uh, uh, Valdez Scantling dropping that ball in the end zone against Kansas City Chiefs. You, this this offense was going to go in Kansas City in that weather and drive down the field against, at the time, I believe the number two defense in the NFL. Don't think that was going to happen. Most likely another loss. The, the Dallas game in Philadelphia, Dallas had to basically fumble the football away, fumble big plays in that game three different times on one possession to make sure that the Eagles stayed in that lead, whether it was a tackle at the one-inch one inch line or Dak Prescott uh, stepping out of bounds early. You're talking 10 losses right now, right? Because yes. 10, 10 yeah, losses. 7 and 10. Very easily. game, if Rivera doesn't kick it and goes for two and gets it, there's another opportunity that was a coaching decision that kind of probably maybe even began to dominoes for his coaching job. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so unbelievably close to a seven and 10, uh, six and 11 team this season. But fortunately they got some talent on this roster that could overcome a lot of those mistakes. And then all of a sudden they made the, the awful panic move of telling your defense uh, you guys could still win these games without uh, having the same play caller you've had all year. Hey, Shaq Leonard, we know you just got here. You've been here a week, but we're going to give you a different defensive play caller. I, I have to ask you this because this, this I can't believe that this didn't pick up more steam. Did you see Hassan Reddick's uh, quotes? Did you see Hassan Reddick this uh, last week, the same week A.J. Brown finally decides to address the media? You're the only this guy that brought it up, and I kept going like this. <laughs> Farzetta must be hated by the Eagles. Because you, Mark, Mark, you, you're you the guy who gets the call from Bob Lang, okay? You're the guy who Joe Bell and all them guys over there have to deal with back in the day because you bring up the you bring up something. You see, you know why you're a great sports talk guy? You bring up the obvious. You don't bring up the non-obvious. What the hell, man? I don't and get you it. Hear it. You listen to the players. The players have been telling us this bullshit all year. I couldn't yeah. believe his comments. They were so – so here is my little theory. If A.J. Brown never addresses the media – like if A.J. Brown had been talking throughout the whole season and like a player should, you know, then A.J. – then we're not even talking about A.J. Brown and what he had to say at his locker. What we're talking about is Hassan Reddick and what he said at his locker, which is like chuckling at the idea of him dropping back in coverage seven times. So that shows me that he thinks it's ridiculous, but he's a team guy and he's going to do what's asked of him. And that's exactly what he said. And that actually is what grabbed the headline. The other thing was the higher up sills, the higher ups thought it was the best decision to change to Matt Patricia from Sean Desai with four flipping games left in the season. The higher ups, not the coaching staff. What the Julian, hell, man? Well, Julian Laurie's now calling for Hassan Reddick to oh. drop back in coverage. Julian Laurie is now because he's part of analytics. Oh, yeah, he's part of that. Yeah, that's, that's his. Oh, department. no, that's going to be how he's eventual boss. Um, probably, probably, dude. Dropping okay, so you haven't had a sack in weeks and you drop your best pass rusher out of it. So, yeah. you, I mean, why don't you just go into a gun battle and a guy's going to have six bullets in his chamber and you're going to have none?
You're going to have an you're going to have an unsharpened pencil. No, you're going to go to a gunfight with a sword. I mean, dude, did Dirk Mark, you know what what's crazy when I hear you guys talking? I see Seth's face and he's had it and he's fed up. You're you are to that point. You know, and I and I even hear guys on our channel, you know, we answer our own questions. Well, if Nick Sirianni's fired, I'm like, why what what would matter? You'd get another doorman. Yeah. I mean, what's this has got to come from the owner. The owner has shown that he has parachuted in and he brought Chip in. Chip's just the wrong guy. Okay. He's the wrong guy. Mark, he has a sample size of changing direction and putting somebody admires in a closet. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, Would the, he the, ever go there again? I, I think the, the prerequisite. I think the resume, the objective on the resume has to say smart guy that will follow orders. Simple as that. Smart guy that will do what we tell him to do, basically, for lack of a better term, a yes man. Someone that's not going to shake their rock the boat. Is that the, a coach? That's not a coach. I, I had this. Um, so my other theory on this was if you're a player in this locker room and you listen to what Hassan Reddick had to say about the higher ups making the change. So the higher ups are making the change then. What is it you say you do here, Nick Sirianni? What what do you do? So if you're a player and you know the higher-ups are making the decision, what power do you have as a head coach? What authority do you have in the locker room? If you're just the guys to be like, all right, guy, hey, look, here, here's a game plan. Rah, rah, you're great, you're great, you're going to the you're going to the Pro Bowl. I love everybody in here. Let's go get them. All right, come on. What okay, that's great, but what power do you have, especially if your offensive game plan, by the way, has been straight ass to end this season. And for the vast majority of the year, it hadn't been really impressive either. What authority do you have in that room? You want to talk about a guy losing the locker room? Yeah, I can believe it. Hey, I'm not mad at Nick. You're just toothless. (laughs) I agree. I agree. I'm not – those players don't – are not mad at him. They just know he's toothless. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you an example of that yesterday. So – the Giants parachute in and start firing two of the assistants of Wink Martindale. Yeah. He goes into Brian Dable's office and tells him to go fuck himself. They fire him. Well, gee, it would have been nice to see if uh, Nick, he had really hired Desai, went in there and battled for Desai and put up and stood up for him and said, no, we're only 10 and 3, 10 and 2. This guy beat the Chiefs and he just beat the Dolphins. Had a rough patch here. All the rest of those teams went through rough patches. We're going to weather through this here. And we're going to be, now I'm sounding like a coach. Instead, instead of a bugle guy or a Pied Piper, okay, no problem. We'll make the decision. To me, right there in a nutshell, showed you the autonomy he has in that locker room, which is nothing. He's toothless because he never battled for his guy. Tony Dungy was fired in Tampa because he wouldn't get rid of Clyde Christensen. And he would not. Mike Munchak was fired in Pittsburgh because in, in Tennessee because he wouldn't fire some of his assistants. Let me tell you something. When you're a head coach, you go to battle for your guys because you hire those guys. That just shows me right then and there, those guys that are in that locker room and that are in those coaching staffs, Sirianni had nothing to do with those hirings. At zero. Zero to do with them because if you don't defend your guys, you're not a coach. Mm-hmm. How, why wouldn't you defend it? Why wouldn't you defend a guy you hired? Where does it make sense? And and here's the thing that I think this is why they made not why they made the decision, but why they made it when they did. They looked at the last four games of their season, 
And they saw Seattle, they saw the Giants twice, and they saw the Cardinals. And they went, we can win. We just we just need a better defensive play caller. This won't be a big shift for a lot of these guys. And they made the change. Then you go on to lose to Drew Locke, who plays Joe Montana on the final drive of that game. Then you uh, barely squeak out a win against the Giants somehow magically, get spanked by uh, Jonathan Gannon, who, man, he put it on the table. Cardinal team. He put it on the table against uh, Nick Sirianni. He was like, hey, hey, sport, here's a here's an onside <laughs> kick. If you get it, have at it. I'm going to get the ball back and march right through your defense anyway. And Matt Patricia's defense. Okay, let's just put this in perspective for a second, all right? Uh, Sean Desai allowed th- six straight touchdowns, six straight st- touchdowns against 49ers. 49ers are pretty good. I can see that happening. Matt Patricia allows four straight touchdowns against the Cardinals and doesn't have to punt in the entire game. How does this, how is that the right decision by the Eagles to switch your defensive court, defensive play call or whatever at the end of the season like that? When these guys have acknowledged, especially a guy like Hassan Reddick, again, to go back to him, how difficult it is because I don't care if you say it's the same philosophy, it's the same scheme, it's not the Sean Desai defense, it's the Eagles defense built in the parameter of whatever the hell Nick Sirianni wants to do in the analytics department. It's not just that. It's If I ask you to cook me a meal and you're a head chef somewhere and you get to the middle of the entree and before it's done, I say, you know what, get out, new chef comes in. The way that thing's plated is going to be a lot different. And guess what? Dessert is probably going to be pretty crappy as well. So for me, that just doesn't make any sense. But that's, the, that's where the Eagles decided to go with this. Let me give you a little insight on what Gary Cobb told me on Monday. Love G. Cobb. He, he told me, and he watched it, and they there's some guys in the locker room, and I won't say who, and some of the people in here know that one of the guys who's a coach was a teammate of mine. Let me tell you what, Sean, what Matt Patricia's done to your defensive tackles. Do you agree your defensive tackles pretty effective early in the season? They're Very much so. You want to hear something? That kid, um, Kobe Turner, the third rounder from Wake Forest, is going to be the NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. Never heard of him. What happened to Jalen Carter? Okay. Here's what happened. When Matt Patricia took over, they run a two-gap scheme up in New England, and they run man, not zone. So you took Fletcher Cox, Jalen Carter, and Jordan Davis, who are playing three and one. You shade a three, you shade a one. You're playing one gap. Get up the field, get into the backfield. You saw these guys in the backfield creating havoc, and the run defense was great because the backers were doing well. Zach Cunningham was coming on. Everybody was like, hey, this thing doesn't look that bad because D tackles were controlling the game. Hell, even Milton Williams was having a good year. Oh, yeah. He was productive. Fletcher had really a great year. So, you know what they did when Patricia got the job? They turned him into two gappers. What they're asking these guys to do now hold the guy, don't let him get onto the backers, and your inferior backers are being asked to make the plays on defense. And Gary's like, they're incapable. And that's why they're running the ball down their throat the last six weeks. So they changed the philosophical way of stop playing the run. And this is why their run defense. So they, it wasn't just play calling. How many times have you seen your corners now 
in man because of Patricia. And Seattle, you saw him in man. He goes, hey, I was supposed to play the sticks. And you're going like this. So this has been a disaster. That They won't admit it. They will not admit their failure on making that move when they did all they maybe had to do was make Matt more of an influence in scheme and things, maybe designing some design coverages. But what they did was they philosophically changed some of the dynamics. And you're not good enough in many places, most notably linebacker and safety. And you're not deep at end. You got you, you know, Josh White has played 300 plays more than he did a year ago. I did not know that. Good God. And people go, he hasn't had a sack in seven, seven weeks. Well, yeah, he's playing. He's basically playing another six games than he did a year ago. You have no depth. I'm telling you, they F that side of the ball up so bad. And when you started getting three and outs, the offensive inability to keep those chains rolling, when you got three and outs, you put your defense on the field. You put they chip Kelly, the defense. <laughs> Does that defense not look like Chip Kelly's defense when they ran those defenses out of gas and you saw guys getting hurt and run on and thrown on? They look like Chip's defenses, don't they? The Cardinals game in particular, that was the most horrifying one where they, the off, the defense did not hold the Cardinals to a third down. They only held to one third down over their 15-point run. It was 19 plays, 15 points, one third down faced towards the end of that game. That's That's – absolutely atrocious and when the eagles got the ball back after that onside kick they would they asked the question i give her credit olivia reiner of um inquire.com asked the question to brian johnson at his press conference and said did you think about changing play calling at all given the idea that your defense wasn't stopping anybody basically was the question and brian johnson said i i can't answer that <laughs> because he knew he'd throw the defense under the bus which goes right to your philosophy but to go back to the man coverage and how much it's been introduced by Matt Patricia, one of the things I really look for in that Seattle game, taken with a grain of salt because, again, it was Drew Locke, but still some pretty good receivers on that team. I wanted to see if there would be a little bit more press coverage. There was. I wanted to see if there would be a little bit more man-to-man. There was. And then since then, it's been hard to tell because yes. they have been beaten so bad <laughs> in these in those last three losses. The last, yeah, last three losses of the season. They've been, beaten, they've been beaten so bad where they just don't look like a team that is prepared. Like, do you even game plan? Do you scheme up for these opponents? Because one of the things that I love, and I just had Hollis Thomas on the show the other day. I, I, one of the things I love talking about those early two thousands Eagles with, with about their defense and Jim Johnson was the idea of knowing exactly what you had and coaching to it. And yes. that is such a a ba- you talk about stating the obvious, man. There's nothing more obvious than that. This is what I have. How do I make it the best it can be? The, the second stint Jeremiah Trotter had here with the Eagles under Jim Johnson, he was a third defensive tackle. He would stay at the line, bust up, get get you know stop the run, get after the quarterback. That's how Jim Johnson used him. As Brian Dawkins got older, he solidified a Hall of Fame career by playing in the box almost all the time because Jim Johnson knew look I can either make him the deepest what, man on the field or make him aggressive. Johnson did to Hugh Douglas. Hugh didn't want to play to run. All right, I'll create a position. <laughs> Yeah, right. just to have this guy put his ears back and rush. Yeah, turned him into a turned him into a green jacket guy, right? I mean, that guy was creative in doing shit. You're right. Yeah. 
He created boutique defenses because he's an innovator, like a Dan Quinn kind of guy, like a Wink Martindale kind of guy. Those guys that are they're known for going, okay, well, here's your skill set. This is what I'm going to do to you. The Eagles, in my opinion, Mark, they're too set on plug and play. Yes. Our system's fine. Go do it. Yeah. Yes. That's a, and that's a problem, obviously. And that Especially, includes coordinators. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A thousand percent. And that's why, look, if I hate even entertaining this, this, but if you're going to be poly pom poms this week leading up to yeah. the game, all right. Darius Slay is coming back. Zach Cunningham's playing himself back in the game shape. Avante Maddox is playing himself back in the game. All that stuff. You hope that it's just a, a matter of personnel and not scheme. But the scheme has been so far off. I don't know who you plug into this and all of a sudden have success with it. And and the thing I'm supposed to have confidence in somehow is the offense because you have good weapons, supposedly healthy weapons. Hopefully, you know, we find a little bit more about Jalen Hurts and his finger tomorrow when he addresses the media. Nick Sirianni addresses the media and all that. But to go back to it, if you look at this offense, if you really want to be confident, you want to look at the offense with the weapons that they have that they're able to they're going to be able to execute. Dallas Goddard's words after the Giants loss to end the season, and he walked are, it back. Are but, but he said it. I like I the, when people walk things back. That means someone else had to tell him. No, 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 don't put out that message. But it's the right message. No, 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 shut up. Uh, can you please report to Bob Lang's office? Thank you very <laughs> much, Dallas. Um, and he said, um, you know, basically that the uh, you know everyone was waiting to get into the postseason. Well, then that's on the coach. That means your team has lost focus. And if you're the coach, and I'm sure Nick Sirianni is saying all the right things as far as, hey, you got to focus, we got to win. I'm sure he's saying all that stuff. But the fact that I'm sure that means that I'm also sure that this team didn't hear it, which is obviously the biggest no-no you can have is when your team tunes you out. So that's that's a shame on the players. To, like you actually, so you mean to tell me the road you you were willing to entertain was instead of hosting every playoff game, Let's be on the road, most likely, for every playoff game. For having, instead of having a week off that might help my defensive tackles, that might help a guy like Josh Sweat, you know what we should do? We should play. We should play at the – oh, you know what else? We should play it on the road. That's what we should do. Everybody kick up, relax. We're in the playoffs. Hey, we're 10-1. and one. We're great. We're fantastic. Not the case. Not the case. Here. Tell me this, Mark. Why is it so hard? for Nick Sirianni after a game where you look like shit against the Cardinals and the Giants to have constructive criticism towards the play on the field instead of giving me Newt Rockney speeches about picking yourself up, showing character, going into the – I'd be like this. We played like shit. We coached like shit. Guys need to have to come to Jesus conversations because that's how coaches talk. Good coaches don't sit there and go, hey, you know – um, play calling was, you know, okay. We just got to, you know, do a better job. We got to be able to did it. And you're like this. Then you get those Wednesday apologies. The players say something on Sunday. And then all the players, all year long, all the players had to walk all their comments back because you know why? They're afraid of hurting the coach's feelings. And I'm sitting there going like, I don't give a shit if my coach's feelings are hurt. And if I'm a coach, since when do coaches give a shit about if players' feelings are hurt? I mean, I've never seen anything like that. Can you imagine... This group being under Buddy Ryan, and look, I know you can't coach guys like that anymore. And I'm not right. saying you have to grab guys by their face mask and kick the shit out of them. Tony Dungy didn't have to do it, but he commanded respect. And I, it just, it just doesn't seem that. Hey, Jalen didn't play well. He missed wide open guys. 
and we got to be better. We got to coach better. There's nothing wrong with that, Mark, but they refuse to go down those roads. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's just not just not how they choose to do it. You're absolutely right. And what's what's scary is I know a lot of people listened to the AJ Brown press conference and thought it's a feel good press conference of the year. You know, this could be the Eagles turnaround and all that stuff. There was one little soundbite from there that nobody wanted to talk about. And it was the truest thing. He said, now, look, you're a player. Right? You played the game, Sills. You know the deal. You want to take responsibility. You want to think, I didn't do a good enough job, regardless of the scheme. You want to take, you want to take responsibility. I didn't think that. that press conference was awful. Oh, it wasn't, except because you want that player. Again, you want the player to take responsibility. You don't want the player that points fingers and says it's, it's everybody else's fault. Nobody, nobody wants that guy. And A.J. Brown, I applaud him for everything he said, especially this. After he got done talking about how much it's him, it's the players, it's not the coaches. The coaches aren't lacing them up. The coaches aren't going out there playing. The coaches aren't missing tackles. The coaches aren't dropping ball, whatever. He got asked the question. And I, I, I couldn't recognize the voice who asked it. But the, the question was, does everyone feel like you feel? Great question. Valid question. A.J. Brown's response. Well, I mean, I can't talk for everybody. <laughs> so, And then he went down the avenue of basically talking about his apology to the team and all that stuff. So there, uh, there is turmoil in that locker room. There are people in that locker room that Nick Sirianni, Matt Patricia, Brian Johnson, there are people in that locker room who they have lost. And okay, A.J. Well, Brown saying it's all us, the players, doesn't count here. for everybody. You've opened, up, you've opened up another lane here then. Um, sometimes coaches use the media to talk to players. Don't you think the players could be using the media to talk to the coaches? Oh, absolutely. And you know what? If you're going to be smart about it, the players are probably using the media and themselves to talk to the coaches. Because to me – I don't think he was talking about I can't speak for everybody because I don't think he's talking about the players in the building. I think he's talking about the coaches in the building. That's who I think he's talking about. I mean, I'm sorry, man. You can't be 10 and one and all of a sudden just lay an egg like that. It's because and then come off a Super Bowl and think about this too. You're you're 24 and four to that point. What happened? Okay. They lost faith. And I, and I said this before you came on, Mark. I think that Buffalo game was the last bit of Eagle pride because it was 95 plays. They played against Buffalo. They played their balls off in that game. They played an extra quarter. And everyone's saying that the Niners were the team that took their – I think the Niners finished them off. Mm. But I think the Buffalo game was the last bit of moment that you saw of that team buying into what was going on. That Buffalo game took a lot out of 95 plays. Think mm. about that. 95 yeah. plays. Week before, you played 70 against Kansas City. I mean, you're playing a ton, and they just got finished off. And then with the schematics and the Jalen Hurts offense and all of that, it just really – I think they just lost faith in the guy who's the captain of the boat and the people upstairs. They're giving him false intel. Like I said, man, when Columbus was looking for the free world, he landed somewhere else. Let me tell you something. If Nick Sirianni was the captain on the same boat that Columbus was on, they'd have threw him overboard. Okay? I mean, they wouldn't have bought they, – they need Columbus, okay, to keep the faith. They'd have threw this guy – they'd have turned the boat around or threw him over. I mean, you yeah. know – 
They they probably would, would have put him on the with the rest of the losers on the Santa Maria. You know All what right. I'm saying? Yeah, he was a Spanish boat. Who cares? Go ahead. <laughs> hey, anyway, so let me throw this at you here. Yeah. How important is the Buck game? And I'm e- vague. I'm keeping it like this. Is it more ramifications in the ownership, in the management, to the players, to coaches? What does that Buck game mean Monday night? Uh, Nick Sirianni's coaching for his job. Holy and, shit! And I okay. did not. I did not think I would say that at the end of the season. But when your coaches, the other thing that was reported before the game against the Giants was Nick Sirianni was really intense and he told the players that you got to win. This is a win. You got to win. You got to feel good. You got to win. You got to get the playoffs with a win. And they did that when the other game, the the, the, the Dallas Commanders game, that that was a close game, and they're you know up until the second half, but they're playing. They come out of the gates like that. That's that's pathetic. So now you're going into the playoffs, limping into the playoffs in a historic end of the season collapse. The historic sales, historic, historic end of the season collapse. And now you got to go. You got to go on the road from a number one overall seed to a five seed on the road from a Super Bowl to ten and one again. Now to a five seed, you got to go on the road. Nick Sirianni and all the words that have come out of the locker room about allegedly losing the locker room. It certainly looks like that. It certainly sounds like that. And if they lay an egg against the Buccaneers, there's no way Nick Sirianni is back. Absolutely no way. Now, I don't believe they will lay an egg. I think the outcome of this is Brian Johnson uh, goes elsewhere. Believe it or not, maybe Matt Patricia goes elsewhere. I could see this. Co- I could see the ownership. I could see Howie Roseman saying, you know, we're going to give Matt Patricia a full year and let's see how he does. But offensively speaking, forget about it with Brian Johnson. It ain't happening. There's so no the way Cardinals if they lose this game, he's Giants, back. You think the Cardinals and the Giants are better than the Bucs? Um, I just think the Eagles continue to sink. How about that? Well, hey, get this. The Bucs have 2,000-yard receivers. They yep. got a running back. That's got 990 and 65 catches, and I got a quarterback who had a better passing year than Hurts. Go figure. Okay? And they're a better team than they were when they played them last. And the Eagles are a worse team. Um, You think they're winning? I have no confidence in the Eagles winning that game against Tampa. Now, I'm gonna, I was doing a, a bit this morning about, like, a letter to myself Monday morning. Like, don't buy in. Don't talk yourself into it. Don't be poly pom-poms, basically. And for me, I just I how I don't see this team flipping the proverbial switch. So Darius Slay's gonna come back and be great. AJ Brown's fine. Uh, Jalen Hurts is um dislocated uh, what middle finger on his throwing hand is fine and dandy. Nick Sirianni and Brian Johnson are gonna figure it out. They're gonna be able They're to not win in that game Monday. They're gonna be yeah, but okay, then this last thing. They're gonna figure out how to pick up the blitz again. Come and get it, Todd Bowles. Enjoy yourself. Todd Bowles blitzes as much as Wink Martindale. <laughs> okay, I don't Mark, have confidence just in them Keep when they that in mind done. when you're I, I hey, I want everyone to do me a favor. I want everyone to look at Mark Farzetta's face right now. And it'll look very constipated during the post-game show on Jacob Sports on Sunday or Monday when he is watching that thing. And by the way, what's even more obnoxious is that Mark's got to stay up for what could be a toilet bowl show. (laughs) Maybe I'll do the show from the bathroom. Maybe I'll do a remote show. All you guys should have your drawers down sitting on the toilet 
doing the show going. Now we're here doing the the from the from the from the bathrooms of of oceans. You guys should be sitting in the stalls with the stall doors open, towels over, of course, and having sitting there going like this. And here we are with the uh, pond of hockey pregame show or postgame show, talking Eagles. <laughs> that might be appropriate. What one one last thing for you on the the toilet reference here. Did you hear Nick Sirianni say that I, I've heard coaches and players talk about you know flushing a game? I've never heard them talk about flushing a whole month. How big is their toilet that you're flushing all this stuff down? Because it seems like you got a bit of a clogged toilet. Seems like you got a bit of a backup here, my friend. That guy couldn't coach Lehigh. All right. I'm gonna leave you with this here. So I said that the Cowboys would uh finish last in February. And so these cowboy nutbags have found the Jacob. Thank you, James. By the way, it's got over 250,000 views and it's been reviewed and all these cowboy fans. And so now I understand why you hate these people because you're rooting for winning an NFC East that you backed your way into that the Eagles faded at the end and gave to you. And you're playing your somewhat mediocre football and you win the East. You see, Mark, you got to remember something about Cowboy fans. Their number one objective is to win the East, and that's it. Yeah. The Eagle objectives is to win Super Bowls. And the Cowboy fan, once he gets sent home by Jordan Love and the Packers this weekend, please, God, <laughs> um, I'm just telling you. Yeah. They are the most delusional fans I have ever witnessed in my life. And I mean that. With all due respect, your greatest glory is in your rearview mirror. And they're 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 giving me shit because I said, Well, I think you finished last in the East. And I'm like, Well, congratulations. You know how to Google. <laughs> I, I go, hey, I, I didn't think you guys were that smart enough because again, you sit by a pond with your cane pole fishing for cod or catfish. Not that that's bad because I've had both and they're good. But outside of that, drinking your <laughs> Bud Lights, if I could go there. Um, I leave you with this. The Cowboy fan has to be the, the the most obnoxious people I've seen. I mean, they really are. And I know why Eagle fan can't take it. Are they like our version of the Sixers fan? Like you can't, like the Sixers fans, we're not excited until the second round of the playoffs start. Because that's the goal. That like, usually he, means you're never excited. Th- yes, exactly. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like. Like, but but we're, we're real in Philly. We're real. Like it, like Dallas, they have it. Oh, yeah, we won the East. Yeah, it's like no, no. That's when the party starts for you guys because you haven't been able to win but more than two playoff games in thirty five, twenty five years. Like, dude, raise your bar a little bit there, fell. By the way, they're yeah, like there's like I said, their season doesn't start until the playoffs start. That's when they prove it. Hey, Twelve. Did you see the breaking news. I did. Nick, Nick Saban retired. Yeah. Wow. I just saw it come up. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you this: Who had a better career, Saban? Or Belichick, both six titles. If you had to put who the better coach was in football history, who had more impact on his sport, all both all-time winningest championship coaches at both yeah. levels, who is the I, greatest coach of all time, Saban or yeah. Belichick? I'm going to have to go Saban. Saban spread out. Belichick's won. Plus the with turnovers. one quarterback. Yeah. Plus the turnover with college kids. Exactly. Like that, that, that's the thing. That's why I look at Tom Brady as like the greatest athlete in American sport ever, is because he had such a revolving door around him 
but he was the constant, he and Belichick. And then he went somewhere else and won again, and obviously Belichick hasn't. So, yeah, I would go with I'd go with Nick Saban in that argument. Man, you think he's done more down there than Bryant? You think he'll be remembered in 10 years more than Bryant? Probably. That's just the ebbs and flows of life, right? That is the um, – yeah, when the ne next generation comes. That's why – People like me don't like arguing about Michael Jordan or Chilton. Exactly. It's a generational question. Exactly. It's a it's a, a Kobe Russell question. If you're an old fart, Russell's yeah. the greatest winner. Today, it's Jordan. Yeah. Right? No, exactly. Generational. Absolutely. Damn. Saban. Man, I, I hey, if you it, who would take that job? You watch this. Dabble Sweeney gets that job. He's an Alabama guy. Does Harbaugh stay in college? <laughs> um, you, you know what, Mark? Let me, Mark. I got you. Got you. Got yet one more question for me. Go for it. Okay. Go for it. Of all the job openings, what job opening in the NFL do you think is the best opening? You got Atlanta, Carolina, New England, Tennessee, Seattle. Um, Ibrahim's back. And in, in, in Chicago, the 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 knee jerk reaction is Atlanta Carolina open. is Carolina because there's only one direction to go. Yeah, <laughs> and because you do have owner. a young quarterback. Do you trust that owner? I think he's going to be minding his p's and q's for a while. Um, I think you can trust that owner because I look. You you just gave all that money to Frank Reich, and then all of a sudden you fire him. So I think you're going to have a lot longer of a leash. And like I said, the only direction to go is up. How about this? This You're going to think I'm nuts. I think the best job opening is New England. And I'm going to tell you why. Bob Kraft is the best owner to work for. And Bob Kraft has won before Belichick got there. Parcells put a team in the Super Bowl. They lost mm -hmm. to the Packers. He was a guy that, remember, he, he's, been to, he's been to Super Bowls. He's won division titles. Prior to anything, when Belichick showed up, he was the guy that gambled and hired Belichick when Art Modell told him, don't hire him. He's the worst guy you can ever hire. Six Super Bowls later, I mean, you know, I mean, so I think they'll open up. That's a place, if I'm hardball, that will give you autonomy and personnel, hiring assistant coaches, and also hiring what you need to have in there as coordinators. See, to me, this is not about what you have on the shelves. This is about what you have in management. To me, I think a job like the Eagles is a very complex job because you have so many things you have to jump over, like speed bumps with Howie and the analytics. Cooks in the kitchen. There's a lot of things that you have to overcome and coach through. Instead, you got more clarity in New England. You have an owner that will let you be a coach. And if you want to be a guy like Harbaugh, see, to me, that that's a place I want to go to where an owner's going to give me a chance to – how about this, Mark? The most important thing, I want an owner to give me a chance to fail. I don't want you to help me fail. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good way to put it. I, I like to liken it too. I don't I never want to look at a head coach like Nick Sirianni as if he's only an employee. I want to look at him as if he's the boss. And that's something that doesn't really happen here in Philadelphia too often. And that's why Doug Peterson didn't last longer here in Philadelphia by his own accord. Let me let me let me show you this on here. Let me show you this on the way out. So two coaches as they go into the wild card weekends. Mike McCarthy's 36 and 15 in the last three years. And Nick Sirianni's 34 and 17. Both coaches' asses are on the line. 
what kind of organizations are those when you got a record like that and there's intangibles around you that could get you fired and, and you you're sweating it out? Like that? Yep. Doesn't that usually give you extensions? Usually. Not for those, not for those organizations. Well, I've kept you long enough for you to have another espresso. So you go have that. <laughs> Thank I you, brother. It. Make sure you watch him each and every single morning. I try to watch that show as much as I can too. I saw Hollis, I saw Tank on there. He's absolutely a great listen. Guy. Hey, by absolutely. the way, that guy was not drafted and he had a hell of a career. He is one of the better, I would say, during that time, Corey Simon and him were probably the two best before Fletcher showed up. Those guys were really good defensive tackles, and it was kind of in the era before here Fletcher, those two, and then Jerome and them guys. So that was kind of like the bridge between all that group. So that was a great listen and great watch. I appreciate them. Don't forget pregame, a halftime, and postgame on Monday night. You can catch that. It'll be the game against the Buccaneers. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate my, it, brother. My man. Thanks, everybody. See you guys. You got it. That is Mark Farzetta. Do me a favor. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. and Hooters, the perfect pair. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN.
want to talk a little bit about Nick Saban. Greatest college football coach of all time. Greatest impact in the college game of all time. How many national titles? Seven. I think Brian has five or six. I think Woody has five. If I were to put a Mount Rushmore of college football coaches and the greatest college football coaches of all time, Saban's on it. You're going to think it's crazy, but I'm going to put Eddie Robinson on it. You know why? Why, while most or organizations and programs were flying on back then Eastern and TWA planes, this guy had to bus his players. And the majority of the players from the HBCU schools had very little resources to succeed. And the things that he did at Grambling and for HBCU schools the impact is felt to this day is incredible in what Eddie Robinson brought. And I got a great education from my friend, Doug Williams, who coached and played for Eddie Robinson. Eddie Robinson, in my opinion, um, has to be on that Mount Rushmore. And I don't care what anyone says. Well, sales like, well, he didn't have the resources. All the kids that, we're not allowed to play in the South. You got to remember something about the players that played at Grambling. They weren't allowed to play in the SEC. Black kids weren't allowed to play in the Southeastern Conference until the 1970s. That's why most of the African-American kids that were from the Southeast. Why do you think the Southeast is a great conference today? Because the African-American kid can stay at home today, whereas in the 70s he couldn't. And in the 60s and 50s he couldn't. He went to the Big Ten and the Pac-12. He couldn't stay at Mississippi and play at Ole Miss or Mississippi State or LSU. They wouldn't allow black kids. Bryant's impact was felt when uh, John McKay brought that USC team to Tuscaloosa and to Legion Field, and they beat the piss out of them there. And Coach Bryant was the first to put African-Americans in the Southeastern Conference. Sylvester Crooms, a dear friend of mine, he was the second black recruited by Alabama. And he coached with me at Tampa Bay Buccaneers and told me the stories about Coach Bryant and what Coach, Coach Bryant recruited me, actually. And I would have to put Bear Bryant on that list as well. The fourth one's tough. So I got Robinson, I got Saban, and I got Bear Bryant. If I were to put another guy on there, who would be the fourth? Man, I love Woody. I I I I love Woody Hayes. Okay, Barry Switzer, Oklahoma. The thing about Barry Switzer, what made him great in recruiting, and Marcus Dupree, who is one of my Dearest and closest friends told me that this guy had no problem 
walking into places with dirt on the floor, grass on the roof, and a potbelly stove and recruiting black kids to come play at Oklahoma. Where most of the people, like Lou Holtz and all them guys, wouldn't go into those communities because they were just didn't want to recruit kids like that. They were coaching at schools that didn't, wouldn't want those faces. Barry didn't care. Barry is near and dear to me. I love Barry Switzer. And the reason I don't have Jimmy on that fourth spot is because Jimmy coached not a long period of time in college. It wasn't a long, lengthy time, like a decade. I think I think he had five years at Oklahoma State. And I know he had five years at UM. So 10 years, I don't know if that creates enough for me to put him up there with guys who spent 20 years. And I mean, I I, I would put would you put Paterno on that? Mm. Talk about a complex. Probably not. It pains me to say that. Probably not. Because of the what happened to the program at the end, and it's never recovered. Probably Penn State's never recovered. Okay. It's never recovered. James Franklin is not a great coach. You're in an average conference. James Franklin, when he was at Vanderbilt, that's who James Franklin really is. Playing Indiana and Iowa and Michigan State and those kind of schools and a stupid and, and Penn State doesn't really play anybody. And when they play anybody, they get killed. And they don't really beat big teams. Every time he lines up against somebody, he gets killed. Um, Barb goes, were you close to Sandusky? Yeah, I came to my home. Yeah, Barb, I know you're trying to be cute. Yeah, I came to my home. Recruited me. To go to Penn State. Came to my high school. So did Joe Paterno. Came to my school to recruit me. Yeah. Same thing with Foge Fazio, who was at Pitt at the time. Yeah. Jerry Sandusky was considered one of the absolutely greatest defensive coordinators in the history of college football. He was the heir apparent to take over for Penn State. Okay. Okay, Barb. Primetime will take over college football now. That's a great call there. Hey, Prince, can I tell you what I would do if I was Alabama? If I'm Alabama, I go hire Deion Sanders. Go hire Deion Sanders. Alabama. Go hire Deion Sanders. You'll have every kid. Oh, my God. Wait a minute. I'm going to stop that. Okay? Because that means every kid in the state of Florida 
will not go to Miami, and they'll go to Bama. Um, I do not want Deion Sanders to be the next head football coach at Alabama because he will own the SEC. He will own the state of Florida. He will own college football, and Nick Saban would endorse him. Holy cow, that's a bad idea. I don't want him going to Alabama. You know what? I think it's a bad idea. I don't like the idea. Okay, let's not go there. I don't want him being the next head coach in Alabama. Holy cow. Dude. Probably Rockney is the fourth guy because he made college football. Man. Deion Sanders at Alabama would change college football forever. It'd be the 33rd NFL team in reality. Let's, let's talk reality here. Deion Sanders becoming the head football coach. How real realistic would the boosters want a black face as the head football coach at Alabama when you wouldn't hire Sylvester Croom, who had to take the Mississippi State job and was one of your own? Has that changed? Will Nick get a vote in his replacement? Personally, Dabo Sweeney makes sense too because he's a Bama guy and he coached at Alabama or he played at Alabama. He was a Bama player and he played for Ray. So Dabo makes sense. Wow. Would Alabama hire Dion? You'd get every kid in the country and every assistant coach and every NFL guy to want to go. And the resources he would have, wow, if you're Colorado, you're frightened right now. I think Alabama has to make a run at him. Who are you going to replace Nick Saban with? Bob Smith? He coached there too, did he? I, I didn't know. Was he an assistant there? I didn't know he was an assistant. Would Dion want the job though? Lane Kiffin is an interesting take. Coached there, won a national title as an offensive coordinator. Bill O'Brien was also there. Would Urban Meyer take that job? Would Mike Vrabel take that job? You got to remember, Alabama, you got you to remember, folks, Alabama is going to be open to pro coaches, too, because of the money. Okay? 
because of the money. Urban Meyer might be interested in coming out of retirement for that gig. Bob Stoops could be somebody to think about. A current NFL. Yo, Big Sills, I want Wink Wink Martindale. That's the kind of DC we need in Philly. Philly 500 wants a coach that walked into Brian Dable's office and told the head coach, told him to go F himself. And that's why he got fired. Hey, Philly 500, you think the Eagle front office wants guys that are going to be combative like Wink Martindale in that building when you had Doug Peterson and you had people in that building before like that and your control freak general manager doesn't like people like that? Paul, Don James was great. He's He's a University of Miami guy. That's my type of guy, but no Eagles. No, the Eagles don't want him. Unfortunately, that's right, Maniac. You need someone like that. But see, that means you have to have a different scheme. And the Eagles aren't up for shit like that. They're not open to that. Bobby Bowden, Paul, was offered the Alabama job before Saban. And he turned it down. After that, one coach got fired who went over from Texas A&M. I forget his name. He was offered the job after that, and Bobby turned it down. Bobby turned that job down and a couple other jobs. And he turned the Atlanta Falcons job down. But Bobby was offered the Bama job. Um, Damn. Seven national championships. All right, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's go over to um, this Monday game. Oh, by the way, now I won't do that today. I'll do that tomorrow. Here is here is the current and what people are saying. The MVP. By the way, the MVP votes are going to be in on Friday. I have to send my MVP vote for the Players Association, and for the NFL alumni. You know, and I told you, you know, the NFL honors, they have an MVP. I vote on that. And here is who I'm voting for, for the most valuable player. And it's top five. And here are the top five players I voted for, and I will vote for and send my ballot in. And I'll show it to you on Friday. Um, I got Lamar Jackson one. I got Dak Prescott, two. I've got Brock Purdy, three. I got Christian McCaffrey, four. And I've got Tyreek Hill, five. And also, as many of you know, I voted for your guy for the Burt Bell Award. And I posted it on my Twitter page, at Dan Cilio Show. So some of you can see this. Um. Here, here it is right here. See this? The Burt Bell Award. Tone, weren't you at these um, the Maxwell Awards last year? Tone, didn't you go to the Maxwell? 
Isn't that where you get your picture with Hertz? Okay. Here's my ballot right there. And I'll read it to you because I don't think you could see that. But there's my ballot. I voted Lamar one. I voted Prescott two. And McCaffrey three. Lamar Jackson will win his second Burt Bell Award. Last year I voted for Hertz. This year I'm voting for Lamar. I vote every year. I've been voting every year on the Burt Bell Award. Um, probably for the last 15 years. So, yes. Last year I did, you know, as much shit as I gave Jalen, I still voted for him. I know that's hard for you to believe. But I, I, I did vote for him. All right, real quick here. <clears throat> now, not R.C. Slocum. It's like friend Mike. Far- <coughs> it's like Farzetta's name. Oh, Mark, like Frank Cohn. Frank Coney, Francioni. Was it his name like Francioni? Something like that. Francioni. Yale, help me out. It was like Francioni, and he got the job for like a couple days or something like that. Then he got blown out. Something, I I forget, it was somebody. Uh, anyway, this, a, a, a Philly 500, if you're still in here. This game on Monday. I can't believe Farset is there. Mark Farset is there already. He's saying that, he goes, this guy's coaching for his job. Is he, Dennis Franchi, that's it. Hey. It, it, do you think Sirianni is coaching for his job Monday? Tone, did you say that? That he's coaching for his job on, on Monday? He's coaching for his job on Monday. Guy was 10-1 and one two months ago. Being considered coach of the year. Now he's... Coaching for his life. If that doesn't show you the changing and what I tell you about the NFL all the time, yes, he's coaching for his job Monday. He loses, he's gone. How about if he wins barely? Keep him around to keep the toilet bowl moving? Don't you think this thing's already been written? You think you need to see another game? You know, I'll give you an example of this. 500, get this. Back in the day. Hey, guys, do me a favor. What was the coach of the Lakers in Magic's first year when they beat the Sixers in six games? When Magic went for 44, like 14 and 12 or something, had a triple-double, took over for Jabbar in the pivot, and was it was it Paul Westhead? Was wasn't it Paul Westhead? And they won the NBA championship, right? It was Paul Westhead, right? Okay. Magic Johnson goes to Jerry Buss. Tone, I don't know if you know this story. Magic Johnson goes to uh, Jerry Buss and goes, "I can't play for that guy." I just don't want to play for him. He goes or I go. 
You can trade me, you can do whatever. I'm not playing for him. He just won an NBA championship and a finals MVP. Magic Johnson was 20 years old. He's done something no NBA player has done since Magic did it, and he was 20 years old as a rookie. What led his team to an NBA championship, a triple-double in game six, a closeout game. Nobody has ever done that since. Think about that. The impact that Magic Johnson had his first year, he was 20 years old, came out of college early out of Michigan State, led his team to an NBA championship, walked in to Jerry Buss's office and said, he has to go. They had just won the NBA title. You know what Jerry Buss said? Paul, you're fired. Paul, you're fired. Paul Westhead's like, I just won you the NBA championship. It's not about winning the NBA championship. It's if you're the right fit for magic. Doesn't it come down, is Nick Sirianni the right fit for Jalen Hurts? Hasn't it always looked hokey? Hurts the calm, stoic guy on the sideline, the calm guy, the poise. And then you got the cheerleader screaming at the fans, jumping on. By the way, that stuff looks dopey now. You know that stupid turnover chain we used to have at Miami? Mario Cristobal asked me what I thought of the turnover chain. Would, would Guys like us who were big mouths have had a turnover chain. We said, no way. You know why? You look dumb when you lose. We would have had a turnover chain after the game, not during the game when you get a turnover. You look dumb when you're down 24-17. Or when you're down 31-7, you look dumb. It's a dumb thing. It's embarrassing. Mario took the thing away because we all, all of us, he asked all the alumni. I go, I hate the fucking thing. I hope they get rid of it. They locked it away and put it away. Never to be rearing its head again. I said, I think that thing stinks. And this is coming from the biggest shit-talking team on the planet. We were like, never happened with us. Turnover chain, you look dumb. Nick jumping around screaming at Kansas City fans. By the way, ever since that Kansas City game when he was screaming at Kansas City G fans, he looks even dumber. You can't have a head coach acting like a cheerleader. And you can't have a head coach acting with no poise and composure. Jalen Hurts needs a better leader. The problem with this, this is written already. You guys think this is about the damn Buccaneer game? Win, lose, or draw. He's not the right guy for that dude. Jalen Hurts doesn't believe in him as a leader. I'm sure he likes him. I'm sure he thinks he's cool. I'm sure he thinks he's his buddy. But Jalen Hurts doesn't want his buddy. He wants a great leader, coach. That's what's missing. This has been written. This is written, man. You, you, you guys are missing the point here. The Monday game, it's a vehicle. It's just a vehicle. You know, you, 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 
have to have. To me, can I tell you a perfect coach for him? My God almighty. Here, let's do this. If Jalen Hurts had been drafted by the Steelers, I think he probably has two Super Bowls by now. Or wait, one and playing for another one. You think that would be true? Shit, Tone just got through telling us. Thinks the Steelers are a quarterback away. Sirianni has turned out to be exactly what his first presser was. Comedy act. You know, very, you know, Dan Campbell is also his first presser. But Dan Campbell means it. Dan Campbell is a guts guy. Dan Campbell, you believe him. I don't believe Nick. Nick doesn't have, there's not truth to it. Dan Campbell, I think he will kick your ass. <laughs> That'd be a guy who wouldn't want to be in an argument going to the midfield if he thought you did something shitty to him and his team. I think he might throw hands. That's the kind of guy I think he is. I think Mike Tomlin's that guy too. You don't hire guys like that in Philly though. You guys hire guys at 3M and Johnson and Johnson. Guys who work at the photomat or the CBS. Shit, the Wawa guys are tougher. People they got to deal with at night. Sirianni's Cotide 2.0, that's what Angelo called him. Okay. Tomlin would be a solid coach, you think? Mike Tomlin would not tolerate any of this bullshit. Jalen Hurts would be so far ahead with Mike Tomlin as his coach. I just, I, guys, that Monday game, it's like when I was telling Tone and I was shaking my head at Tone. Guys, who cares what happens Monday? Aren't you there now? Why don't you guys just say it? Who cares? This is not a Super Bowl season. It's a wild card season. At best. That's your problem. You don't want to come to reality here. You have been reduced to wild card season. I think you're losing Monday night. I don't, there's no chance in hell you're winning that game Monday. How can you? You just got crushed by the Giants. You just got killed by a three win Cardinal team. Give me one area where, and get this non wishful thinking. Show me a sign of life. Zero and zero. Okay, Nick. That's wishful thinking. That's not reality. 
Zero, zero. <laughs> Hertz is going to have to do it. Yes, he is. Why are you paying a guy $50 million? Well, I don't want to go down there yet. I don't want to upset people. I told you at the beginning of this year. You sure he didn't pay him too soon? I would have tagged him. I would not have given him that contract. And I don't care if people got butt hurt. I, don't, I would not have paid him. And I get this. Or I would have went to Lynn. And you know what? To Tone's credit, maybe they did get him cheaper. Because if he does ball out like 22, you do have to gamble there with that. Jerry Jones had to overpay for Dak Prescott because he franchised him twice. So there's precedent that was set there. Jerry even admitted overpaying. So Howie looked at it like this. We could pay either 55 or 60, or you could pay 50. So you could go there for sure. By the way, I'm not suggesting to you that he wouldn't eventually been a $50 million guy. I'm saying I would like to have seen another year. I told you, I, I said that all last year. By the way, do I think he could? Yes, I think he can turn it back around. I totally do. All right, let me take a quick timeout. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Hooters, the perfect pair. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. 
Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. mad at me now because I called out Cowboy fans. Oh. Hey, Des. You dropped the ball in Green Bay. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Des. Not quite Michael Irvin. (laughs) Why is it, Tone and everyone, why is it that Sills, like, it, why do I upset people? Is it my delivery? Is it the way I present my content? Thank you, Rush. Why, why do you get I – mean, Cowboy fans are going nuts right now on my Twitter page. Who's this guy? Who do you mean? You, you kidding me, man? Some dude sitting on the ranch right now eating mountain oysters, putting them things in his mouth going, you see this guy right here? Look at this guy right here. Look at him. What the hell does he know? He's some Yankee guy from back east. <laughs> yeah, that's me. What, what, what the hell does that Yankee know about Cowboy football? No, I don't know. I know you hadn't done shit in 30 years. How's that? (laughs) Hey, all I know is this. In Philly, appetizers, some good galamad, some good blue shell crab. In Dallas, it's mountain oysters and hot sauce. (laughs) Mountain oysters and hot sauce. That's for Cowboy fans. And and Bud Light. <laughs> hey, Tone. Tone, here's Cowboy, here's Cowboy pregame. Watch this. It's Bud Light, Mountain Oysters, and Hot Sauce. <laughs> Woo! Holy cow, how you doing? All right, let me get out of here before I get in trouble. James, don't put that up there. That's not gonna be good. <laughs> All right. Hey, thank you, everybody. Xander, Big Joe, thank you. I appreciate all of you. Tone, keep kicking ass, man. We appreciate it so much. Thank you guys for killing it with us here. We thank you again tomorrow, 2 to 6, and we shall see you on the flip side.
we go. Football and Hooters, the perfect pair. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.